Hey everybody and welcome to the Sunny 16 podcast. This is show 115. It is the head-to-head-to-head Cheap Shots challenge between the three of us hosts. And because of that, uh, we have a return visit from Mr. Powerlines himself. It's Johnny Sisson. How are you doing, Johnny? Hello. Welcome back. Thank you. Thank you for having me back after whatever chaos I participated in last time. Uh, That was one of our best shows, I'll have you know. (laughs) That was certainly the most organized show we've ever done. And, uh, you know, clearly we didn't organize it for uh, brevity. But, we, yeah, it was definitely very organized. And credit to Graham where it's due. (laughs) It had to happen once in a lifetime. It's so good to have you back, Johnny. Thank you. I, I, I thought it was a mistake. I looked, I went back into Skype, which I think I mentioned I've used, like, twice now in the past 10 years including the last time we were on and it it must have been a mistake but i think the counter from the call last time said something like four and a half hours is that that's possible? right <laughs> yeah. it is right easy, okay. easy possible uh, it was a long it, right it was a long around, session though. that one yeah did you not hear aid at the end <laughs> <laughs> oh was he there i didn't even know he was still there <laughs> No, we, we swapped him out with this sad, broken old man. We had him in at the end to do the end of the show. I, I, I did suffer a little bit towards the end of that show. I was I was wilting in my chair by the end of that show. It was a, a long, hard slog. But, uh, you know, worth it, worth it, I think. Um, and, yeah, uh, yeah, yeah. but uh, I'm glad, to, glad you haven't been um, uh, frightened away there, Johnny. No, 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 no. I do. I, no, not at all. Not at all. No, uh, you guys are great. Good yeah. stuff, good stuff. Thank right, you. and uh, eagle-eared listeners will have heard Rach in there as well. How are you doing, Rach? Hey, I'm back. I'm here. Yay. <laughs> I'm, I'm good. Um, got a little bit washed away over the last couple of days and um, have uh, lots of bits of news and things that I've been up to. Busy busy away with work and with um, with actually shooting some film, which is, which is awesome. Hooray. So right. um, that's been exciting. That's what we're, what, what we're all supposed to be doing. <laughs> <laughs> I know, I know, but you know how it gets. So uh, it's just the, the actually the amount of time that we get to go out with cameras and shoot film and enjoy that part of it gets gets crazy. You know, for various different reasons. For you know, for you guys in terms of having you know full time jobs and families and things, and for me because I'm trying to run it as a business, and ironically ends up that <laughs> the thing that I do for a business ends up going on the back burner slightly um, under underneath the piles of all the other things that have to happen uh, when you do that. You know, so um, so yeah, I was pleased to get a chance to do that. Um, do you want me to talk you through it now, or should we find out how Graham is? I suppose we should do that. <laughs> Oh, <laughs> yeah, yeah, why not? Why not? Thank you so much. It's so nice to have the whole team back together. He lied through his teeth. <laughs> no, it is. It's lovely. And um, no, I'm doing very well. Thank you, guys. It's been I've actually had some time off this week. It's great. I feel I believe the word is refreshed. It's been such a long time since I've used it that I'd almost forgotten. But no, I had a few days up with my folks, uh, with the boys, and it was very nice. Uh, yeah. Feeling good for chatting this evening. That sounds Let's good stuff. So, another so four hour. Not stressed out yet then about the competition element in this evening's show. Uh, <laughs> look, I, I hope I've paid Johnny enough to just do what he's been told to do this time. I mean, my lips are sealed. 
<laughs> okay, so we'll come back to this later. But for the record, there are now six photographs in the Google Drive where we have shared two photographs each for, for the host competition uh, c- conclusion to the Cheap Shots Challenge round for landscape. <gasps> Sorry, all that came out a very long sentence in one breath. Um, and uh, so, folks, as you know, uh, traditionally, this is the time when Graham starts to get a little bit more shouty and angry than usual. Um, he calls down the, the gods of fire and brimstone at the injustice in the world um, and uh, generally just gets a bit angry because he's taken some out-of-focus photos. <laughs> <laughs> no, this time this time it's going to be different. This time I'm going to be calm and... Is the word equinanimous? I don't think it is. <laughs> I don't think that's a word at all. No. I don't think that's the right <laughs> word, even if it is a word. <laughs> that's not even a word in American English. <laughs> calm and equinanimous and we can all decide what that means at the end of this podcast it might mean raging fury i think it's something to do with horses oh yeah yeah i'm gonna be equine unanimous that's what i'm gonna be doing this show okay all right then well i tell you what graham you're the you're the man with the master plan this evening you're the guy who knows uh what kind of format and structure this particular show is going to have so uh where are we going first well i wanted to catch up on what the people who tend to be doing most have been up to first aid so um rach what have you been doing because i you have been so busy Uh, obviously listeners won't realize quite how much you've sort of had to be away recently and how much you've got coming up but you've been doing loads of stuff so what's been going on yeah so um i've been a bit here there and everywhere and uh, but it has been lovely actually there's been various uh, adventures that i've been on went and took rosie my caravan little rosie no oh, it's been a while since we've chatted about her actually uh, took her over um to sort of preston way did a photo booth hire um for a wedding and it absolutely threw it down <laughs> it I mean, it was it was stare odds, you know, it really was absolutely throwing it down. So um, uh, but she was still there and uh, and we still had smiles on our faces and it was it was a lot of fun. Um, so uh, they, they went home um, drunk and happy and, and had some nice instant photographs by the end of the day. So uh, so that was all good. Uh, it was nice to be out on the road with her again. And after that, I've been down in the Midlands doing some storytelling training, delivering some training at a drug and alcohol recovery centre um, and I'm go- off there again uh, later this week uh, as well. So that's been that's been interesting kind of like getting people involved in telling their own stories through visual medium um, and also through audio as well uh, in order to kind of like give a bit more insight into various people's experiences um and hopefully you know to create some social change if if possible in the future which would be which would be really nice is um this, as well is this the same <clears throat> stuff that you were doing over in um croatia early in the year right yes very similar very similar it was a, a different demographic and different groups of people um but in terms of the training itself um uh, it's basically just sort of helping guide people into how to best tell their stories so um yeah wow. that's what i've been doing so um, can you give it, can, what sort of stuff are you teaching them? Because storytelling is one of those things that I keep getting, I keep getting told and keep hearing that we should be doing with our photography. And I don't have the first clue where to start. <laughs> yeah, I mean, you, you know me. I, I'm very much like a, a kind of 
uh, right, these are the skills, these are the tools that we can use in order to tell the story. And then there's there's just there's different ways of actually putting putting stories together, isn't there? You know, a beginning, a middle and end. They don't have to be chronological. They can be, you know, you can map it out first. Sometimes it's all about uh, working out what the questions you want to ask yourself or somebody else in order to start digging down a little bit deeper. Um, and I think, you know, I was listening, obviously, to to last week's uh, show that I, I wasn't on. Um, and it's been really wonderful actually listening to the insight that has been starting to come forward uh, in terms of actually digging down that little bit deeper of our, in our uh, sort of like visual images as well. Um, so not just about the, the the final photograph, but what are the what's the why? You know, it's all about actually the why because we talk such a lot as you've mentioned about the the what and the how but it's more about why are we doing these things or why do we feel the way we do about something or why do we see that particular piece of light and think, yes, that's the image I want. So um, it's just kind of offering some tools to people um, to say, you know, these are ways that you can actually do this without it, it you know, very much a sort of bottom up um, kind of approach rather than a top down approach sort of um, often, I think, you know, we'll probably all come across this where we're told, oh, this is this is a service that's required or this is what you need or this is what you should do rather than saying, well, actually, that's not, I don't recognise that life at all. I don't recognise that as something that is useful to me. Um, so this is actually asking what is useful to you, first of all, and like building it up from there, really. That's cool. That's cool. Yeah. Storytelling is, is such a skill, and I mean, obviously, it's a skill you can be taught, but it is one that I think in any art where you're trying to sort of present ideas like that, you kind of like having some tuition to begin with. It must be hugely valuable. Um, yeah, well, it's that, and it's having actually a little bit of time. It's having specific time to say this is actually what we're going to do over two days, you know, and uh, and actually really. Um, really looking a bit deeper into into things. So uh, we don't often have the chance to do that, the opportunity to do that. And it's amazing what comes up um, from it. Uh, given a little bit of time, we can actually start to understand ourselves and generally the world around us a little bit better because um, we're so so often so rushed and running around everywhere that we don't really get a chance to think about the whys, you know. Yeah. So yeah. So that's what um I've been up to. Like I say, that was um last week and coming up again. And um in between all that, I've been making up some more of my analog adventure kits. Um, I've had to put the shop on a holiday, <laughs> so it's not actually on a holiday. But obviously, I'm not really around to be making up anymore. So um, so I've had to put it on a little holiday for now. But I will, I will get that um opened up again, open up the shop again soon on Etsy. Um, so uh, so keep keep your ears ears peeled eyes <laughs> closed Skin. i don't know what's well, yeah what, what's the what's the phrase i can't remember um anyway for that because i will be opening that up again soon um and in between all of that i did manage to get away for uh i think it was about three days to northern ireland um i've i've been to belfast before but i've not been anywhere else in northern ireland so that was really nice that was actually to kind of have 
a very small little break in between because we've not really got a holiday this year and stuff. So we thought, well, that would be that'd be nice to go and do that. Um, and it was a, a little bit of a mini road trip. Went to the Giants Causeway, which is incredible. Um, and uh, went to Derry and Belfast and Portrush and what have you. And that was where I actually got out shooting some films. So that was awesome. I was really, really enjoying that a lot. Um, and uh, I took just two cameras look at me go um uh no that's not true <laughs> <laughs> look at you look at you bullshit i know I, it's actually three yeah it was three cameras so i took my trusty om30 of course um because i wanted to make sure that the batteries from my new om10 are safe before i take that out you know because it exploded on <laughs> the most oh, recent yeah. one that i was on mm. the podcast was on. um so, yeah, so I want to make sure that they're safe before I take that out anywhere. So I took my OM30 with me, um, but I uh, I realised that I have another Olympus lens. Hooray! So that was exciting. So um, I took that for the first time with me. Um, uh, so I had two lenses for that, uh, and I had my um, Franca Salida um, medium format, my Cheap Shot Challenge camera. I took that with me. Yay! Yeah. Um, because doing the cheap shots challenge with that camera was the first time I'd used it. So I thought actually it'd be nice to, you know, as, as I managed to get an image out of it, cause I had no idea whether it was, you know, what state the bellows were in or anything like that. Um, and knowing that some images had come out of it, I thought, well, I'll take that with me as well. So I've not processed those yet, but I, um, I took those two cameras along and I also took um, a, uh, a small little pinhole um, that I'd made as well. So uh, so that's exciting. Um, and I just need to, like I said, I just need to process those. Um, obviously, having only been back like a couple of days and being busy prepping for everything else I've got coming up, I've not unfortunately got round to that. But um, I am looking forward to doing those. So uh, I have to kind of put that on the back burner and go, okay, that's just like fun times to do, <laughs> fun, nice things to do. Um, but I've been out today um, on shoot, uh, of course, you know, I realise it's a, a Sunday, um, uh, but yeah, I, I don't know, weekends on, and bank holidays and things. A bit like yourself, Johnny, getting dragged into, de- into doing this, I'm afraid, <laughs> um, as well. Uh, but yeah, so I was out on shoot today at a place called The Story Barn, which is cool. It's um, a, a big converted um, sort of stables and old stables. Uh, and uh, I was doing a children's author and illustrator photo shoot there. So that was that was a lot of fun. We we had like coloured uh, coloured rain and because because we have such a lot of actual normal rain, we thought, well, let's try and like jazz it up a little bit. So um, uh, took along some uh, coloured pom poms and threw those around and stuff. It was a lot of fun. <laughs> um, so yeah, so that was a little shoot today. What else have I been up to? Oh, um, I. Uh, yeah, I, I've had uh, some nominations come through, which is exciting. Um, Very exciting. Uh, so that's for, so the, I don't know if you guys, I'm sure you, you'll have heard of it, obviously, because I've mentioned it, but I don't suppose all our listeners will know of it. The Royal Photographic Society is doing a, cam- a campaign called 100 Heroines. Um, and uh, it's basically where you can nominate people that um, are a, for want of a better word, heroin within the um, photographic uh, industry. So apparently I've had a few, uh, which I didn't realise. Um, so that's really nice. I don't know. I don't know how many or what have you. But, um, but I mean, that's lovely. And I was, you know, overwhelmed by by knowing that, that, that somebody had put me forward um, at all. And they got in touch and said, can you send over 
um, a, uh, I need to do a selfie or self-portrait or what have you. So I've sent that over uh, and I've asked for some other work and things. So um, quite, uh, quite a few of the people who I know and um, fo- that we follow and what have you, uh, I've seen that they've been sharing sharing their work from like Leah and Isabel and Monica and what have you, which has been wonderful to see. Um, so I'm really you know um honored and flattered to be sort of sitting alongside those uh, those wonderful other female photographers so it's very exciting anyway so like i say i've got i've had um a few nominations for that uh, but they are still open so uh, <laughs> sure if you want to nominate me yay <laughs> where, where where they go to do that rach where um, should people go to find out more about this if you literally go to hashtag 100 heroines um and follow follow them on twitter you will see where to nominate basically if you just um tag tag you in it i think or tag tag um whichever uh, female photographer you would like to nominate uh, or put forward um and th- it seems that they're pretty good actually at being on top of their um social media campaigns so that would be the best way to do it i think do you, do you know is there somewhere if you're not on twitter that people can find out about it and get involved uh, yes, if they Google for um, RPS, 100 heroines, it will come up. They have their own site. So, yeah. Um, so that's really exciting. And and I had an email uh, today um, saying that I've had a nomination for the Merseyside Independent Business Awards for a creative business. So, um, wow. so yeah, this has all been very random that it's all happened at the same time. Oh, and a, and a wedding blog. The, the wedding that we um, we went to shoot, Graham. You'll remember. Yeah, you know? I do remember. Um, it so rained then as well. It really <laughs> did, didn't it? It shocked it down. <laughs> Luckily, actually, it was a quite it was quite well timed. Uh, that one. That was whilst we were we'd managed to get a, a small break, haven't we, and sat down to yeah. eat some pizza. So um, so luckily for that, but uh, it wasn't that much fun running back through it, <laughs> was it? No, <laughs> anyway, no, it wasn't. Anyway, anyway, thank you very much for braving braving the northern weather. Um, and uh, and yeah, so uh, there's um one of the wedding blogs called Love My Dress, um, which uh, have asked to sort of feature it. So that's exciting as well. I'm looking forward to sending over their images uh, and uh, and seeing that on their blog, which would be nice. So there we go. It's been a bit of a, yeah, like I say, here, there and everywhere, all been a bit random and upside down and I've not really had a chance to catch my breath yet. Um, back off to the, the Midlands uh, soon, down to Oxford to probably see you hopefully graham um shooting a <laughs> wedding there probably, as well hopefully this is next week right so probably hopefully we're gonna get that nailed down <laughs> we'll, figure we'll figure it out we'll figure it out it'll be fine it'll be fine um then back to liverpool and then i'm off to berlin to do a bit of um training but i won't be delivering i'll be receiving the training this time in curation so that's exciting hoping to expand my my skill base really with that and then as soon as i'm back from that um, I start my artist residency, um, which will be over um, in Birkenhead. So uh, really looking forward to that as part of the library services. And it's um, an Arts Council funded project in order to um, bring more creativity into library spaces and offer them to communities that wouldn't necessarily get a chance to take part otherwise. So, uh, yeah, exciting stuff. It's cool. I think what that really shows, because I know you go through phases where it feels like you're just smacking your head against the brick wall, <laughs> yeah. but then everything comes always. Actually, Rach, whilst we're doing like um, a shout out for all the cool stuff you've been nominated for, I think we should give a shout out for what Adam got nominated for as well, because you're a house of like successes at the moment. So what is it that Adam's been nominated for? Um, I, my Adam, you've really thrown that at me because I'm like, oh God, what is it called again? Hang on. I think it was a, a digital. <laughs> Come back to me. It was, it was <laughs> a right. thing to do with a thing, Rach, wasn't it? Yes. Yeah. <laughs> 
basically, right. So, okay. So my husband, Adam, he, um, he runs a company called Tom Foolery. Um, uh, you know, he, he's a big Victorian, uh, England fan. They often get emails to Tom, Mr. Tom Foolery, <laughs> <laughs> which always makes me laugh. Um, it's like, no, it's a word. It's, it's an actual word. It makes me laugh a lot. Anyway. So, um, as, part of their animation and video production company that um, he and his business partner run, they um, did some wonderful, really beautiful um, animation work for the um, Terracotta Warriors. So we have those here in Liverpool at the moment at the museum. And um, basically they've been part of the nomination for um, the, the animation and video production social media campaigns for uh, museums across i think the uk and europe and things like that so that's all very exciting too i'm really pleased i'm proud of him for that that's awesome good. you guys both work very hard <laughs> at, doing, at trying to make your creative careers actually pay and it's great to see yeah, you we'll try. That. That's <laughs> awesome. uh, well, well johnny um you have to follow all of that so what have you been nominated <laughs> for this week well, you, you did that all in what 10 days yeah it's exhausting isn't it i'm tired it's exhausting I listening to it, it it's, 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 yeah it's, you know. I, I played some call of duty the other day uh <laughs> did you win oh yeah yeah, yeah I, did. I, I said yeah i do, I do pretty well, well i'm probably better actually... at that than photography i mean <laughs> <laughs> it's more satisfying most of the time <laughs> So what have you been up to since we last? I've been playing up? some Call of Duty and. Uh, <laughs> did you level up, Johnny? I did, and then it's the Yay! most annoying. It's the most annoying thing now because they have these hackers in the older versions of Call of Duty that just like have all you know that you, you suddenly you've been leveled down to like negative five hundred and eighty seven, and so it, that's a little frustrating. But I've I've had a pretty good comeback, so I I can't complain. <laughs> uh, you've been out shooting uh, some photos of power lines. I've been trying. You know, it's funny. I don't have a lot of power lines that I can actually see in the city. Um, I do have like, like just overhead power poles. I I should post some pictures of this. There's probably some on my Instagram. But um, Chicago has this really uh, elaborate system of alleyways. So there's essentially behind every single street in the city, with very few exceptions, there's another street. That's for Batman. Uh, you know that, don't you? Exactly. That's, that's how he gets around. <laughs> yes. Exactly. So. We have these back alleys where, you know, it's where the trash is collected, where people have garages and so forth. But uh, it's almost almost every street also has in that back alley um, overhead wiring for, you know, electric, I guess. It's more for telephone, but I think there's some that's power, I'm guessing. Um, so so I'm actually I have I have those sort of overhead power lines. And I do actually have a lot of pictures of those, I think, on my Instagram Um so I have those power lines, but they're not the big impressive ones with the big towers that are very tall that I have noted some of you have in your photos here, uh, taking a quick look around. Um, so yeah, so I, I, I do have some power lines around uh, that I do photograph, and I have photographed some this week, so I have done that. Um, and I've been going through, I have on my light box here in front of me, um, I have about... 10 rolls of 120 that I shot on my Roloflexes uh, back in, oh gosh, about 1998 when I went to New York City. Um, oh, it's fun. I was in New York in 1998. Maybe we saw each other. Who, who knew? <laughs> Wait, hold on, hold on, hold on, hold on, hold on a second. Um, 
but it's funny. I was listening. I was while I was sorting through pictures today, trying to kind of gather everything from that trip. I was listening to the uh, podcast from last week with Eric about the meaning of pictures, and it's funny because I have a, there's a couple in here that I, I mean I really remember the moments when I shot these pictures mm-hmm. so clearly, and I I don't know. It's it's kind of uncanny. I can almost always take a frame randomly on any roll if I just pull a sheet of film out. I almost always remember exactly when I took the picture, and I know that sounds weird, but I I really kind of do. Um, because I certainly am not like that in real life. I mean, you'd ask me what I did, you know, two days ago. I don't remember, but if I look at a, a frame that I shot, I almost always remember kind of exactly where it was mm-hmm. and what was going on. So I, I was just kind of looking through these, you know, 10 rolls of, uh, 120. I shot my Rolleflexes in New York in 1998. And I remember some of these moments just like so clearly and why I took the shots and everything. So I was kind of thinking on that when I was listening to, you know, the conversation there with Eric about the meaning of these and, you know, why do you take the picture? <laughs> mm. um, which I, you know, I kind of feel like I shoot on autopilot a lot. I try not to think that much. I try to be like, if, if, if I have a like emotional reaction to something, that's why I take the mm-hmm. picture. So I try and I feel like if I think, think too much, I end up just not shooting anything. More so about I, the feeling rather than, yeah. 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 Yes. yeah. I feel like photography for me is about a um, I do not understand the first thing about how my brain works at all. And I'm constantly confused by why I do the stupid sh- stuff that I do. Um, <laughs> but when I'm taking photos, I feel mu- the act of taking photos, I feel much more uh, grounded and centered and present. <clears throat> and sometimes, honestly, the result is secondary and I say this looking at my shoebox, with which now has 25 rolls of undeveloped film in it that I need to get on. That I've been fascinating, and that's why I've been playing Call of Duty. Um, but <laughs> but, I, but I do remember really clearly just you know some of these shots, and it was really kind of cool. Like, the literally 20 years ago, looking back at some of these shots and remembering a specific moment and a specific kind of person that I was watching and photographed, you know. Mm. So that that's kind of what I've been up to, and. Um, I've been posting some of those old shots on Instagram, which I, I took a bit of a hiatus from, um, because they're kind of pissing me off, but that's maybe a different rant, but, um, but I, I've been reposting some of my older, uh, Rolleiflex images that I had actually scanned quite a while ago, but I was kind of taking a new look at them and re-editing them and, you know, looking at them with fresh eyes and thinking, well, I, I really want to re-edit that contrast in that shot a little different or whatever um so i so i've been kind of looking at this old all this old film from i i have some uh some color shots uh on e6 on the old provia provia 2 of uh this beach in california with these just i i mean absolutely incomprehensible colors um that actually really existed and i and i was kind of recolor correcting them and looking at how when I scanned them and actually drum scanned them, when I used to work at a photo lab, I'd come in in the morning and drum scan my stuff. And so I'm looking at these scans. I'm like, wow, I was really, I was like so restrained when hmm. I was scanning this and I'm looking at the film and I'm like, I, cause it's almost like, well, I didn't really believe what was on the film, you know, <laughs> that it must have punched it up. And I'm looking at it again. I'm like, no, that's what it was like. So I'm going to like go back and re-edit the film to look like the film. Yeah. Um, cause what's on the film is really what it looked like, you know? Um, 
and that pro it's you know it's provia blues which are just incredible anyway so so i was kind of working on that this week and and just kind of getting a few things back out into the world that i've never really shared um that i've just kind of had for you know mm-hmm. uh, literally a couple decades now so it it's kind of been a cool experience to look back at at some of those and that's crazy yeah. it's been that long though just with you saying that because because obviously that, that for me as well was like the, that was the first time I went to New York it was the first time I was actually shooting with film and working in darkroom because I was at art college at that point so um so yeah it's it's crazy I, you really wanted me to like making me want to go and find out my old negatives from from New York in 1998 as well maybe we could do a zine together oh my god that would be amazing <laughs> and we can have cheese pairings that go Yay! with the shot excellent i love it like with, with yeah suggested cheese pairings suggested cheese for this image is yeah, yeah. right exactly. that's the way we need to do that john i think Ah, I have literally no idea where they'd be though, because yeah, this was that was my first sort of foray into um, into starting, work, you know, actually working in a in a dark room. And and uh, I remember, like you were saying, all of the shots from that, I can literally sort of like see them in my mind right now. Like, yep, yeah. I remember shooting exactly that and those colours, like the um, uh, Statue of Liberty, like the green of her like skirt next yeah. to the incredible blue sky and, you know, and getting all the folds of it and things like that. Um, and obviously the Twin Towers, you know, um, and what have you. So it's, yeah, crazy. Gosh, yeah. He, um, taking me back. Yeah, it's a, it's a it's a good activity, and I mean, you know, I I don't know, maybe I'm I'm lucky enough to have have filmed that old that I shot, I guess. Um, but I, you know, just I I don't really do this very often. I, I it's like my film is like the only thing in my life that's organized. I I have it all in binders. It's not really well organized as far as like sequentially or anything, but I know exactly where it all is and I can go back and I can find something. And so there's this one image. I mean, just I I, I maybe I'll put a link with it, send you the link to share or something on, mm. on the podcast notes. But there, this image I have from the Metropolitan Museum art of art of um, this room um, where uh, it's in the, I guess it's um, Assyrian. They have this Assyrian art kind of hall um, and they have uh, these two massive sculptures. I'm trying to think the, the, uh, the correct name for them, but they're, they're the, basically the winged lions and the whole point of these things is they were meant to be intimidating. They're 12 feet tall. They were meant to be in the throne room of the, you know, the mm-hmm. emperor or whatever. So you'd have to walk down this hallway and these big bastards are scaring the shit out of you because there's nothing but candlelight or whatever, right? So, and it's like the, it's exact, it was exactly like that. That's how they present it at, at the museum. So I have this shot of kind of a little bit of an angle of this man and his son kind of walking into this room between these massive wing lions and the boy is like, what? You know, so it's like, it was, so I, it's an image that's really stuck with me um, since I took it. And I, I was really methodical when I made it to kind of set up the angle and wait for somebody to walk in. And it was one of those things where that exactly the right kind of people managed to walk into the shot and it, it, oh, it just worked. Brilliant. So it was, like, yeah. yeah. So it was like one of those moments where you really kind of like try to plan a shot that works and it actually yeah. works, which that I know that never happens for me. So, um, so yeah, it's, I don't know. It's just really great to go through and, and look at old film again. And I guess I would, I need to probably spend more time doing it. <laughs> so, <laughs> that's been my highlight. I have very busy, uh, work week at the shop. Mm-hmm. Uh, mm-hmm. 
you like it's been Chicago's the summer has been like super hot and humid and there's no air conditioning in the shop. So it, I get, you know, by the time it's Saturday, I work Monday through Saturday. And by the time it's Saturday, I'm just surly. You know, I'm always surly, but I'm extra surly. And <laughs> so it's like a long, surly, hot, humid week. Um, but I sold some interesting stuff and I met some interesting people. So so it was a, it was a good week. So with so your pictures, Johnny. Do you, yeah. 20 years is a long time. So how old were you in 1998? Oh, really? Do you have to say that? Um, uh, I was, uh, well, I was born in 69. So 69 to 79, 79, 89, 89. So I was like, I was about 30. Um, you're, yeah. you're older than I thought you were. I, I assumed yeah. that you were, you have oh, so I'm much old. bile. <laughs> I assumed you were younger. <laughs> um, do, you, do you find looking back that, you you you're, the way your shooting has changed much do you look at things that you shot there and think ah oh, i wouldn't no i wouldn't do that or do you look at things you shot then and thought oh, wow i would because i was doing things differently than i was maybe taking yeah. more chances or how, how do you find it going back it's really interesting you say that because i kind of had a conversation about this with someone at the shop this week and the context of the conversation was um twin lens reflex cameras and the fact that the image is reversed and was talking with a customer of mine, this great guy named uh, Bob Matter. He's actually on Instagram. It's B-O-B-M-A-T-T-E-R. He does really cool shots around the city in Chicago. And and he recently got a Yashica Mat 124G, and we were talking about, you know, yeah, kind of getting used to this, getting used to that. And and so when at that period of my life, I had bought a Rolleiflex 2.8C in, I think, 96, and then I bought a 2.8F in, oh, 97 or 98. So it was probably relatively recently that I had it at this time. Um, so I had been shooting with really nothing but Rolleiflex at this point for about three years. And I shot for another four or five years with nothing but Rolleiflex um, from that point forward. And it's interesting what I, looking back at the shots, I was thinking about how it had not really occurred to me yet in some of in some circumstances that I was composing the shots reverse left to right. And then when they would get flipped, you know, left to right or right to left or whatever, that my composition would be very balanced on the left side of the frame more than the right side of the frame. Mm -hmm. If that makes sense yeah. in a way that you can, I mean, square, you can kind of get away with that, but it looked, some of my shots looking back look off putting to me because I know that I was, in the moment I was thinking left to right, not how is this going to look as an image right to left. And that is a little bit disconcerting that I feel like I spent so much time on some of the shots only to then look back and think, well, pfft, that was stupid, you know, <laughs> um, <laughs> but there are times when I think I was maybe almost unconsciously knowing that I needed to compose that way. And like this shot in particular works really well as a, what I, I don't know, I read for whatever whatever reason I read images, tend to read them right to left. And it works exactly as it should. And But there are a lot of shots I have that don't. Um, so there's that that I noticed. And the other thing that I noticed, and it, this had occurred to me maybe, I don't know, a year ago when I, I, I was looking through some film and I was shooting some TLR again. And it occurred to me how much depth of field is different on medium format than on, say, 35 millimeter. Mm -hmm. And how you you cannot get away with effing up depth of field 
and medium format because it just looks bad. And I have plenty of shots where I'm like, why the hell did I shoot that at 5.6 and half of this frame? It doesn't, it's like you can kind of get away with that in a rectangular 35 millimeter where maybe the scene is kind of receding in one direction. You can't, I, it's like you can't get away with it in a square, you know? I feel like things need to be much, there needs to be much more depth of field in a lot of shots. So, so I'm kind of looking through my negs. I'm like, that screwed that one up. That screwed that one up. That's wrong. That's wrong. You, I didn't do that at F11, you know? So like even at F8 on a Roloflex, is it fairly, if you're close to something, it's say like within six feet of you, the depth of field's really shallow, you know? So I look at a lot of shots that I shot, um, maybe even with like the, uh, what you call them, the Roloflex close-up lenses attached where the depth of field's even shallower. And I'm like, I really needed to open up my, my, I really needed a different aperture here. And it, it's kind of annoying to me to think that it was a mistake that would have been so easy to fix in the moment. But I, it's like I wasn't really thinking depth of field as I should have in 120, even though I'd been shooting 120 for so long. So that's kind of annoying. <laughs> but yeah, it's a style thing. As you go, as, yeah, you, yeah. As, as you go forward, you, your style changes and what you expect to sure. see. You could go back to those in ten years' time and think they're awesome. Yeah, maybe. I don't know. <laughs> I, I'm back to the years, I mean, I think they suck. So I, but I could, I guess. Um, no, that's a good point, though. I mean, it does it does change, but I I feel like personally, I've been in one. In terms of photography, I've been basically the same photographer always in terms of how I've done it. it hasn't really changed. It's been one like long ongoing exposure moment or something. And that I I, I feel like I kind of developed an approach pretty early on. And um, so I don't know. I don't see a lot of change. I, you know, I got somebody told me once, I think it was in the midst of a conversation where somebody wanted to give me a hard time and they said that my my images were uh, very mundane. And I was like, you know, that's actually about the best compliment I've ever gotten for <laughs> my photos because I kind of like, yeah, I agree with that. They're really, a lot of them are really mundane because I, it's a moment that I wanted to make for myself and I kind of don't care what, <laughs> what it looks like anyone else but i kind of do in that if i screwed something up and i could have done it better i wish i had done it better if i'm going to share it with someone but i like the idea that i that the images i really made it more for myself and in a weird way i feel like my images have always been very not accessible but i've had lots of people tell me over the years that they find them very accessible which i think is a paradox but then i think about it and i'm like well it, that's what makes all art good is that it's super hyper specific or else it would be so generic. It wouldn't matter. Right. So that's like, that's what actually maybe gives something its own life, uh, you know, a life of its own is that it, it's so obviously made by a specific person or, you know, something was done in a way that, um, somebody else wouldn't have done that's it's the more specific it is, the more universal it is. If that makes, it's like the paradox I find in photography, um, that somehow people relate better to things that maybe are really, really personal, or at least that's what I've experienced with, with my shots. The shots that I think are very, um, yeah, inaccessible are actually the opposite. So well, that's getting pretty deep there actually. Yeah. So, but I, I, I think I understand what you mean though. And, uh, I, I, I could probably point to a small number of photographs I've taken where I've experienced the same thing, actually, where people, you know, sort of, 
latch onto it even when you think well that's yeah that that was just you know a family moment or or something like that or a personal moment of some sort anyway yeah Yeah. interesting stuff yeah so Johnny's been having a, a good look back in his history, and Rachel's been getting uh, nominated for awards. How's your week been? <laughs> um, in terms of film photography, very little to report. I don't know. Has that been to do with work or weather, or is it? Yeah, oh, I was all time? set to set. I was all set to take a camera out today, actually, because we went out, but the 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 weather was atrocious. We got rained mm. off our family activity for today, which is a shame because I was looking forward to taking some photos. But uh, there we go. Uh, no, uh, mostly it's it's been work and it's just been hectic. And uh, we may, maybe get a chance to go out tomorrow. Not sure um, if the weather's better down here. So. Um, We'll see see how it goes. But, uh, yeah, it's just not a lot of photography going on this last week or so or two. Mm-hmm. Uh, not since I got back from my holiday, actually. But uh, there you go. There's a little little sob story. You know, like I may start a Kickstarter, <laughs> save age photography. <laughs> <laughs> I, I'd give money towards that aid. I definitely would. <laughs> I'd love to know how you're going to spend it. But, uh, sure, you know, I'd back that. Oh, I'll probably go on a trip somewhere. Be nice. I haven't been on a trip for ages. <laughs> <laughs> At least two weeks. <laughs> uh, so, uh, Graham, but, how about you? Sorry, yeah, go on. sorry. No, no, no. You're fine. Go on, Aid. Sorry. I was just going to say, I'm, I'm hoping I get more next week as well because I'm going. Uh, we just got a little family trip away for the weekend to see to catch up with some family. So hopefully, get a chance to take some photographs then. There we go. Yeah, that'd be nice. Yeah. So, Graham, how about you? What have you been up to? Well, as I said, um, I got a few days away, just went down to visit my folks. And listeners, you will be so proud of me. I I managed to go with only three cameras. What? No. Yeah. Did we no, only take the same amount? No yeah, way. We did. We did. So I, okay. So I, I um, this last week, I mentioned actually when Johnny was last on the show that I was uh, anticipating the return of my Olympus Pen EE3. Whoa. which um, <laughs> was the camera. <laughs> yeah. yeah, it's very exciting. My little half-frame Olympus, which I sent off on a, a theoretically around-the-world trip <laughs> four years ago <laughs> with the idea of shooting one roll of film between, I don't know, there was about a dozen photographers, aid, I think it was, who said we were going to do it. This was, was, a long was, I, was I one of them? I seem to remember yeah. I might have had it for about three months. Yes. I mean, and that was the thing, that everybody who got it I mean, three months is nothing compared it to... Might have been six. Other people. It, <laughs> it might have been six. It was with a lot of people. So four months, sorry, four years later, I get the camera back and only 25 <laughs> pictures have been taken. I'm like, wow, oh, so much for my plan of getting through that roll of film quickly. So I was like, okay, well, that's cool. I'm going to take that with me. Um, and the other thing is, and this is another thing, not only if I'm not taking very many cameras, I'm actually thinking of, planning to, might not happen selling some cameras i know be still your beating heart well it's because there's a couple of cameras that i've picked up (laughs) that i kind of went oh that's a good camera and it's a good price so i'm going to pick that up but i don't really need it um and they kind of just don't fit and i don't love them i mean but i need they needed rescuing and so i thought okay well i'll i'll take them out i'll test to make sure they all work properly and then i can sell them what have you that's so, the plan if you found a puppy on the street i kick you, it in are, the bin are you telling me you would take that puppy home 
and feed it and get it work. And then you would sell it. Is that, I mean, really? Uh... That's the most horrible thing I've ever heard. <laughs> yes. Seriously, yes, Johnny, that. is that the most horrible thing you've ever heard? <laughs> Pretty close. Pretty close. <laughs> okay. Well, let me, let me give you some back. So the, the first camera, so this is the first one I took out. Um, it's, in the camera brand, in sort of the well-known camera brand, it's kind of the ugly stepchild because the one nobody ever talks about. Uh, I'm talking, of course, about Cosina. Guys, any big Cosina heads in the house? Me. <laughs> really, <laughs> Johnny? Yeah. Voigtland? Yeah. Oh, oh, Voigtland? Yeah. 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 Well, okay. Well, there you go. I stand corrected. What, <laughs> tell us something about Cosina then, because I don't know much about them. Oh, well, all I know, Johnny can go second, because I don't know very much. All I know is that the, the guy the, the guy who owned it bought Voigtlander, and he was the reason we had the Voigtlander Besser rangefinders for so long, because he was a bit of a, a, a keen guy about it. Not that they make them anymore, of course, but, uh, but yeah. Uh, Johnny, you probably know more than that, do you? Well, I mean, I you know, I have the Cosina made pretty much everything for everyone at a certain point in time. I mean, a lot of people I love people like they, they love their, you know, Nikon, which is the FM 10 or whatever it is. It's a Cosina. It's straight up Cosina, you know, and then like even the Nikons that people are like, oh, this is such a it's like, yeah, everything on that top plate is a is an outsourced part from Cosina. So congratulations on your Nike, you know, so I don't, I, they made everything for everyone at a certain point in time. And gotcha. yeah. And it's so, but for me personally, I mean, I, I really loved one of my favorite cameras cameras is the, uh, the Voigtlander made by Casina Bessa L, which has, you know, no viewfinder. It's an LTM camera and you can put, you know, any viewfinder of your choice on there and any lens of your choice. And it's, it works amazing. And it's got a, you know, a meter and it's got a, two thousandth of a second top speed and i i love my little voigtlander casinos you know so i'm yeah. a big i'm a big fan of those i mean some of the slrs are okay admittedly they have a really bad reputation from back in the day because they did make a lot of junk and they made a lot of junk lenses back in the day but they also made a lot of stuff I, oh, what did i have is it the nikon fm10 i mean that just went out of production and those cameras they are, I'm sorry, I see just as many of those that are still working and functional. I see plenty of dead FM, FMs and FM2s. People don't want to say that that happens, but it happens. I see them all the time. All right? None of those brands, none of those cameras from that era are immune to just stupid electronic failures. They all do it. And I see just as many healthy Cosina-made SLRs from that era as I do Canons and Nikons and whatever. So I think they get a little bit of a bad rap because they were... Some of them were definitely very cheaply made, but it, a lot of them are. That basic chassis is super solid, and the shutter is super solid as long as you don't do something dumb like, you know, take a second long exposure and try to wind the film while the shutter is still actuating, which will screw the shutter up. So it, I, I feel like they get a little bit of a bad rap, but they also kind of deserve the bad rap at the same time. <laughs> <laughs> so, okay, but I, well, I, so I'm, I would count myself as a fan. So. Okay, well, I, I have to say, I mean, I'd never shot with a casino before. I said I saw it. I think I picked it up for ten quid in a charity shop because it looked in good condition and it, you know, had the lens with it. Um, and I'm guessing this must be from the '80s because it kind of looks mad '80s. It's um, the Casino CT7, um, uh, and <laughs> it's so. This is um, fundamentally, it's an aperture priority SLR, but you, it does also have manual control as an aperture priority SLR. It's pretty great, actually. I 
went with the idea of, well, I'm going to stick a roll of film in, maybe shoot 12 shots, and then whip that roll out and put it into me after test it out. Um, and because it's just a really pleasant camera to use, and it was kind of the only one, well, that and the um, uh, pen, I ended up putting like two and a half rolls through over three days, which is a ton for me, because it's actually really nice to shoot with. As you said, the chassis... The basic body um, is really nice. It's really solid. It's got a really good feel to it. The shutter's really nice and solid. Um, and it's uh, in aperture priority. It will go down. Uh, I think the lowest shutter speed it will go to in aperture priority is, is eight seconds. So, <laughs> yeah, you can really muck around with that. Um, it's got LED um, uh, light meters with the things you can sort see what shutter speed it's picked that's all great so as an aperture priority camera it came with this i mean i have no idea whether the lens any good or not it's um just a bog standard 50 mil f2 it's i'm sure it's fine you know it's a 50 mil f2 it's whatever i'm not expecting it to be amazing where it does fall down because like i said all of that is great actually all that i think is as good as any other camera like that i've tried it's the manual mode <laughs> So, <laughs> so the way the manual mode is, um, it's got great things. One of the things I love about this is when you when you push the shutter wind on in, it kind of locks everything down, and it's got a good shutter lock. There's so many things about this camera that are great, but um, the rest of the manual controls for the chassis are buttons on the top. <laughs> You've got these four silver buttons, and um, not only a, a, a button up and down buttons, but also. Let me see if we can get this thing working. Hang on. Uh, let's see. Come on, wake up, baby. Uh, uh, uh. See, now it doesn't want to work. Mm -mm -mm. Did your casino uh, just die? No. Oh, hang on. There okay. you go. It's, it's like, oh, there we go. So you press up. You press down. That's quite annoying. That's really <laughs> annoying. What are you playing with there, Graham? So, um, and obviously there's no way of turning that off. So, um, yeah, that's that's kind of where it falls down. So I suppose in an emergency, having the ability to adjust the uh, shutter speed manually is a good thing. Uh, the fact that you cannot stop it from beeping whenever you do it. It's got a big speaker on. I was going to say, could you find where the microphone, where the speaker is and just put, electrical tape over it or something yeah, that might be an idea um put some food yeah, tack in um, it. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but, yeah but no other than that though i was really quite pleasantly surprised by the experience that you know it was, it was nice to shoot with um so yeah i've still got a couple of other cameras that i'm also going to test out and put i've got a, a practica bx i think which um again i mean i'm sure it's fine but i just looked and went I don't think I'm ever going to really want to use this. Um, and I think there might be another Cosina as well, <laughs> kicking around somewhere. But yeah, I, uh, after shooting with the Cosina, I, I'm less convinced I'm definitely going to sell it. <laughs> <'Cause it's> like, <laughs> this oh happens all the time, though, with you, right? You're like, yeah, I'm selling it. Oh, but yeah. <laughs> it's, it's, it's like Johnny's, it's like the puppy just looks at you with those eyes and goes, see, I'm a good camera. I'm fun. <laughs> Um, so that was nice. Um, using the pen over the couple of days, I, I was trying to take on board some of the conversations I've heard recently about half frame and just being far more free with the shots. And actually, the fact that you can't focus that camera, um, it is just the absolute epitome of point and shoot. Um, that was quite freeing. So, like, oh, well, I'm just going to go click, click, clickety click and have some fun with that. I don't, I obviously haven't got through the rest of the 72 shots yet, but I've made a, a dent in them anyway. Um, 
And the I think I took the other camera I took with me was the little Olympus Mew, but I didn't end up using it at all. I did have in my car the it just because that's where it lived is um my uh what's that Ukrainian car the Kiev the Kiev 4A um but I. <laughs> I've used that this camera one scratches once. your glasses. Exactly. I've mm-hmm. used it once since getting my new glasses. It instantly scratched. I was like, well, okay, <laughs> I can't use this camera until I do something about that. Um, so I did not use that one again. Um, but no, it, it was nice. And I I was quite amazed that I managed to get through two and a half rolls of film. I mean, I, I wasn't being particularly precious about the pictures because the whole point was just to test out this camera and make sure it all worked. But it was it was fun. It was nice to get out. Sure we went to this place um up in the Midlands, uh, called the Black Country Museum, which is just a cool, fun place. It's uh, an oldie worldy village they've created is there. Ironbridge. Uh, I think it's a bit further south of there, but yeah. a similar kind of idea. Yeah. Um, it's all old vehicles, old buses. There's all people there dressed up like they're from the Victorian age. All the old shops and stuff. There's, uh, it's cool. It was good fun and everything was very nice and um and i went on this um fairground ride um which is a bit like the waltz was only <laughs> like a hundred times faster so me and the boys are just <laughs> clinging on through <laughs> 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 it's great uh good time was had by all so yeah um that was my fun week that was all good will you sit graham I did feel a little bit Uncle Dick, yeah. but I'm sure. <laughs> <laughs> okay, all right. Well, there we go. So I'm glad you had a good trip. That sounds like fun, actually. I've heard of that place, the Black Country Museum, as well. I've not not been there. Do they have like a a Marky Smith exhibit there? Because that's what I would like to imagine they have there. <laughs> they have like the Marky Smith Memorial ex- exhibition there. I am still brokenhearted, and I, I would if you told me they had that there, I would probably be on an airplane right now. <laughs> wow. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, sadly not, but it can only be a matter of time. Never mind. Yeah, okay. Um, it doesn't does, does bear thinking about it, but there you go. <laughs> okay, uh, well, there we go. So, uh, Graham, um, as I said at the top of the show, you are uh, the master of the plan uh, for, for, this, for this week. Um, are, are we following the plan at all? Uh, have, we, have we achieved anything in our first nearly an hour? Pretty that you, much. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I think should we have a break now, Aid, and then come back and do some cheap shot in it? Uh why not? Let's do that. Alright, have a break now. And we're back from the break, and the first thing we've got is Graham uh, with some listener emails. Yes, we've got a few. We've got a few more emails later on, but these are just a few of the emails that came in regarding some of the images that were sub- submitted for the Cheap Shots Challenge that had a bit of information on that I wanted to uh, get to. Um, we haven't got all of them in here because some of them did just literally say what we said on the last podcast anyway. Anyway, uh, I'll read the first one, and it's from Stephen Milheim, who writes in, Dear Sunbeams, alas, the challenge has proven very challenging. My 60-plus-year-old role of Kodak Verichrome film produced no usable images from the Kodak Brownies bullseye. My role of Kodak T-Max 100 reveals all of the limitations of the Kodak <laughs> box camera. You mentioned that this was not Kodak's finest moment, didn't you, Johnny, when we were judging them? Mm. Um, yes. Yeah. First, the shutter speed is slow and avoiding shake is difficult. Next time, 
I'll try. I try, but well, I mean, yes, that, that's exactly a good plan. Despite me taking the twin dial lens apart and cleaning the, cleaning the two lens element, clarity seems to be a problem. Did I put one of the lenses back in backwards? <laughs> <laughs> Finally, there appear to be some light leaks. I might try some electrical tape. If that works, I could perhaps make some foam light seals. May the light be with you, Steve. Uh, yeah, the joy of trying to make an old box camera uh, <laughs> play the game. See, for many, me, many yeah, for me, this is where the challenge comes into Cheap Shots Challenge, because you know, it, it's about trying to, within the budget, actually find something that actually works as a camera. <laughs> yeah, yes, though, because um, uh, Steve's picture was that uh, nice grainy black and white um, of the tree, the almost quite abstract tree trunk, uh, which I really liked. Yeah. Um, yeah. But uh, yes, it's, it can be a little bit difficult with some of these very old cameras. Um, a, do you want to take the next one from Jason? Uh, sure, yes. Uh, I'll take a couple of deep breaths because this is a long one. Okay, <laughs> Jason says, hey, Sunbeams. <clears throat> First time submitting to Cheap Shots Challenge, I found a Pentax SF10 with a kit 35 to 70 and 70 to 210 for 30 Canadian dollars, which is very very uh, good value for money mm, very like, good. yeah canadian dollars are smaller than us dollars i can't remember how small they are but there you go it's about 15 quid i think or about 18 quid um asked the lady if i could pick up that evening she said sure she'd leave it in a box on the porch i got there and sure enough there was a yellow plastic box containing the camera mm. the lenses some very expired film and an even more expired leather camera bag and even the original <laughs> instructions and brochures and so on Left some cash, and that was the first time I ever bought a camera from a self-service kiosk. <laughs> That's how you know you're really rural. <laughs> Leaving your loonies and toonies out there on the fridge. So I have no idea how old a Pentax SF10 SF is. I'm guessing uh, with those standard lenses, that's uh, an SLR of some kind. Um, but uh, yeah, to have it with the original books and, and what have you is uh, sounds good. Oh yeah, hang on, uh, there's a little bit more that might help us gauge the age of it. Uh, <laughs> SF10 is a sort of camera that looks very capable with autofocus. So I know late early nineties. Early nineties, yeah, I reckon. Uh, and exposure in several modes, but it is really truly awful to use. <laughs> oh, <no. laughs> Uh, the worst of it is it only shows shutter speed in the finder down to a 30th, which, Ooh. since I am partial to shooting in dark forests, is quite a hassle. <laughs> I ended up trusting Aperture Priority, uh, which auto-exposes oh. to fairly impressively long shutter speeds, to be fair. Um, additional annoyances include what looks like it ought to be a dial for adjusting exposure parameters, just like a proper modern camera, but it's actually a rocker switch that's just fraudulently made to look like a dial <laughs> and therefore provides a slight twinge of disappointment with every use of the camera. If ever there was a sentence which really does sum up a lot of the cheap shot challenge, a slight twinge of disappointment definitely is up there. Yeah, see, that mine the other way around. I really like using my camera. I, my slight twinge of disappointment is when I get the photos back. But then... <laughs> <laughs> Anyway, so uh, Jason says, yes, I believe this to be the most appropriate emotion for a cheap shots camera. <laughs> <laughs> 
having dubbed the sad black plastic blob the awful lump i hit the trail uh, a few exposures were wasted to a shutter button which you depress 98 percent of the way to activate the meter <laughs> and the remaining two percent is a hair trigger shutter release <laughs> sounds delightful <laughs> however the majority were properly exposed at least until the ones taken well and taken one after sundown and of the rest, I sorted out those with motion blur, subjects that were nearly invisibly small, photos that looked like test shots and so on, and arrived at the two attached. I really appreciate you guys setting up this contest as it has been a lot of fun and gave me some good motivation to actually go out and shoot. Well, well done. That's part of the reason we do it. Yeah. And uh, yes. this trouble, you got some really nice results. So, um, Jason's pictures were a couple, as he said, taken on a woodland walk. Um, so it's worth going back and have a look. But the one of, in particular, the one with the pathway walk going through the forest, I think came out really nicely. Mm. Um, yeah, it's good. It's um, his travails with that camera. It, it really does show what an absolute crapshoot it was in the sort of late 80s, early 90s, because like, you know, that Cusina is a similar age camera um and they can be great or they can be terrible and there's kind of really no way of knowing until you pick it up and start playing with it yeah i think what i tend to forget is just how much choice there was at that point i mean we tend to think now in terms of i don't know no more than five or six major manufacturers really if you go to a camera store like a you know the uh, and maybe Johnny, of course, you, you'd have a view of this, although I know your store specializes oh, yeah. in secondhand stuff. But if I go yeah. to a camera store here in London, obviously I will see Canon and Nikon. And beyond that, I now see Olympus, Panasonic and Fuji. Um, am I... Sony. Yep. Yeah. Sorry. Yep. Is, is that six? And beyond that, I don't know. Who would you who would you add beyond that? As It's not many, yeah. are there? Yeah, I mean, I'd like a bit. It's super niche, and then there's some Rico stuff still, and there's pen, there is Pentax. I mean, Pentax is still uh, yeah, you know, okay, hanging yes. on. But I mean, it's those are really pretty uncommon. I mean, you don't see a lot of them around, you know. Yeah, they're but, they're definitely smaller brands in the UK yeah. retail space, certainly. Yeah, you know, sure. it's a, yeah, it's uh, uh, yeah, it's um, it's a, yeah, I guess that there were so many more brands now, and you know, we know some of the history, don't we? I mean, we know Sony bought Minolta and stuff like that, but it, it, it really, some of them just disappeared and and were never replaced or bought out. So it's a, yeah, as you say, Graham, bit a bit of a crapshoot. <laughs> yeah, it was a bit. Um, Rachel, I realize actually, Johnny, can you read? Um, are we I missed one. Yeah. Yes, we are. Sorry, I missed that one completely, didn't I? Which is weird because I put it in there. Um, um, Johnny, do you want to read that one? And we'll, we'll leave Rachel's to read uh, Jackman's at the end. Uh, yeah. Where do I, where can I find it? I'm not, hold on a second. I thought, uh, you, uh, have you not shown? Oh, we haven't showed. Okay. Uh, sorry, I thought we showed the show. No, no worries. No worries. Uh, we will, in that case, Rachel. Yes, Tony. no problem. Shall I, shall I step into the breach? Okay. <laughs> yeah, oops, my bad. <laughs> We're very professional. <laughs> so, this is an email from Tony. Um, he says, hello, Graham and Rachel and Aid in brackets. Sorry for my tardiness. I just find it harder and harder to scan negatives these days. Darkroom printing is simply so much fun. The two in the attachment are poor replicas of the two postcards that I submitted for the... Are you all right there, Johnny? Um, yeah, there's a slight beer glass malfunction. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Uh, sorry, Tony. Uh, back to your email. Um she uh, is saying that the darkroom printing is so much fun and that the two attachments are poor replicas of the two postcards that I submitted for the landscape cheap shots challenges. 
Unfortunately, I don't know where I put the other two copies that I made, so I had to resort to scanning negatives, which I find increasingly suboptimal for digitising analogue photography. Scanning a 5x7 or 8x10 print yields a much better view uh, results in my view. In this particular case, scratches and blotches on negatives that are not obvious from the darkroom print come out in spades with digital. Another argument for scanning a print with reflected light as opposed to a negative with backlit source. In any case, these two are from Mimico Blue Edge, part of Lake Ontario's uh, Waterfront Trail, a 800-kilometre hiking, walking trail, gosh, that's a long way, um, route that goes from Kingston, Ontario, to Niagara Falls, all along the lake uh, waterfront. Still under construction in parts, it is one of the least advertised attractions. That's because it's an 800-kilometre walk. Well, it's a very (laughs) long way, isn't it? Um, these scenes are from the urban part of it in Toronto's neighbourhood of Mimico reverse angle would be quite a juxtaposition to all of these so that may be a series of prints to send to you guys separately Hmm. anyway hope this is not too late enjoy the podcast Uh, love what you're doing for the community and talk soon best from Tony thank you very much Tony that's awesome so um, I think am I right in saying Graham you mentioned that we had our first two analogue entries for the Cheap Shots Challenge. Was yes, there, was this right. two postcards then that were sent in? It certainly was, yeah. Oh, uh, yeah, it's lovely. And it's really interesting what um, Tony was saying about how he's finding it more satisfying and getting better results from scanning the prints to scanning the negatives. Because I suppose the thing is that you'll probably get more detail if you scan the negatives, but by scanning the prints... You're, you're getting the finished image the way you want it to look. You know, I know people say, oh, the negative is how I want it to look, but a print is a finished image. With the print, you've done all the work you wanted to get. So, so by then copying that, you're getting all of that work done in there and that completely is finished. That's, um, yeah, sounds like a good way of doing it. Oh, and also the, the, um, what he was saying about the scratches and stuff like that is really interesting. Okay, um, through my own foolishness, I, I shall take this last one from Jacqueline Louis. Um, <laughs> which, uh, Jacqueline writes in, Hello, Sunbeams. My apologies for such a brief email last week. This is my first time submitting any of my photos. I just got into film photography a few months ago, which I find... Oh. I mean, I, I'm hoping that Jacqueline's been shooting... Uh, otherwise for a long time because her pictures particularly that cityscape was fantastic Mm. um i was on vacation in taiwan for a week and took a roll of ilford xp2 with me to shoot on my pentax zoom 105r a camera my boyfriend bought for me at a thrift store for 7.99 canadian dollars uh, in vancouver we have a lot of canadian emails mm. uh, i think this says a lot about the fact that canadians like to leave things to the last minute actually no jacqueline sent hers in nice and early it was just uh, this email followed up mate. the first photo is of the skyland sky, skyline skyline of Kaohsiung, taiwan which i am sure i am still pronouncing <laughs> every time the wrong way uh it's historically been an industrial city hence the smog but it's been un- undergoing change to become more metropolitan the second photo is some of some cranes in the city's port uh, they are a major city port in Asia, which speaks to the city's industrial history. Cheers, Jacqueline. So, um, yeah, I love both of those pictures and a little point and shoot camera 
it just mm. comes back to the thing of you can get amazing results with not very much. Um, speaking of getting amazing results with not very much, I think <laughs> I it's don't think it, yeah, that's, that's a really poor segue. That sets up a that sets a really high bar. But just just before we get into that though, uh, maybe M could help us out with the uh, with the pronunciation of Taiwanese city names because I, I believe um, his uh, his hollowed out volcano is somewhere in that region of the world. So uh, maybe he, yeah, maybe yeah, his lair. Maybe he could help us out. He's probably got yes. like a bald cat called that or something. <laughs> <laughs> he probably does have a bald cat called a K. Oh, never mind. I'm not going to try again. <laughs> please, Em, um, send us in the connect a, a voicemail with the correct pronunciation of that word, please. Absolutely. Okay. Right. It's time, isn't it? We can't put this off anymore. I mean, we put it off three weeks, haven't we? I mean, is it? Well, we wanted to give you a chance, Aid, to try and scrape some garbage together, which, in fairness, <laughs> you've managed to. Well, so so having, uh, yeah, ha- having just missed the deadline uh, when we recorded the show where we looked at everybody else's photos, uh, my photos came to me about two, three days after that. So uh, I now have filed away. Uh, it, two photos as my uh, not, uh, entries that's the word I'm groping for and failing to find <laughs> my entries for this round of the cheap shots challenge so I mean in fairness they do look more like entries for this round of the cheap shot challenge than the many of your previous entries have looked like entries for the round of the cheap I mean they are I look at them and go well, if I squint, that would pass for a landscape. So that's definitely better than your previous rounds. I think you're clearly stepping up to the mark with this well, one. Well, you know, happily, uh, your opinion matters not <laughs> one jot. Um, because and This is John, what's wrong with this conversation. Because, because uh, Judge Johnny is in the house. <laughs> Uh, now oh listen, my. Johnny. I don't want you to be swayed yeah. by the fact that both of the co-hosts, both I, of my I, co-hosts, are more pleasant than I am. Um, because you know, that, that, I feel like this is what lets me down every time. Um, you just need to look, think about <laughs> things that are important to you in pictures, and then realise who's delivered most on this vision. I really you... wish that you go. Ahead. I'm sorry. Go ahead. No, no. I was just going to say, Graham, you're like the. Um the small print aren't you like no extra correspondence will be entered into this competition <laughs> uh well should we go through these in the order that they are in the file and start with rachel's um uh pictures <laughs> i'm pretty sure one of them's a picture i'm not sure what the other one is. i think it's a collage Oi! it is not <laughs> They are both pictures, and um, I chose um, the one that you're talking about specifically because I know how much Johnny appreciated like the abstract version of uh, of landscape. So I thought I would very much give an abstract uh, representation of landscape. There you go. Pandering. Whatever. <laughs> I learned from the best, Graham. I learned from the best, right? <laughs> do, you, do you want to describe your two pictures then, Rach? Oh, do I have to describe them? Oh, oh well, oh, actually, hey, you describe. You're very good at describing pictures. Yeah. Okay, all right. Well, I can do that. So uh, the first one is, is a square aspect, uh, black and white, uh, with uh, a lot of detail and and uh, in the highlights and in the shadows. So it's 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 a lower contrast shot. Um, as you look into the frame from the bottom, you're looking along a, a low wall. 
it looks like there's a it looks like it's a walled garden in, in a country house or something because there's you know, wilder land on one side of the wall and what clearly looks like a, a lawn of some kind in, inside it and and there's a, a couple of people in the middle distance uh, staring out uh, from behind the wall uh, uh, to to some trees in the slightly further distance um, I, I like the, the the leading line in the bit of wall that you've shot along, Rach, that, that leads us from the from the bottom of the picture in in it toward in towards the centre. So, uh, yeah, what can you tell us about this one? Um, so this one, I took um, actually took both of the um, images at uh, Blackwell House uh, Arts and Crafts House, and it's in the Lake District. So I don't know if you remember that um, I was panicking a bit about where I was going to get some landscapes from <laughs> um, and then happened yeah. to be going to the lakes just for a couple of days over a weekend. Um, it's a really special place to me, actually. It's where I um, um, I f first met a, a very good friend of mine uh, who's an artist and um, it was it was an awesome kind of like um, week in the in the woods um, making art and all sorts of like fun stuff really so uh, this is four years later uh, we thought we'd, we'd pop back and sort of like do a little mini road trip and um, uh, and go and visit this beautiful um, beautiful house again um, so I actually um, like I said I'd taken along my original cheap shots my second cheap shot challenge camera um, and I'd loaded it up with film and um, I'd shut the back and I'd waited for it to uh, wind itself on and it did not work so I was I was down a camera luckily I'd taken this other one with me which I'd picked up um, the week before because I just wanted to try it out for the first time anyway so I literally had no idea whether it's going to work if there were holes in the bellows if anything of you know um was broken um but in the end i thought right well i'll just load this one up instead uh, and use this one because it also fell within the the remit for the cheap shots challenge price point and what have you so uh, it's a franca salida two i think or salida one not sure um and uh, it's a medium format obviously which is why we've got the the square um aspect and um i uh, popped in a roll of Fomapan, expired Fomapan 200. Um, and um, basically, when I, I processed it afterwards uh, using the Cinestill Monobath, actually. So um, it came out a lovely bright green neon colour, <laughs> which freaked me <laughs> out. <laughs> um, and I sent a message over to, to the guys going, is this normal? Um, I've, I've not had it anything like, because I've not actually... Because I've shot with Foma Pan before, but only 35 mil, and it seems that for some reason, in their medium format, in their 120, um, it's got obviously something else. And I don't usually do a pre-wash, um, you see. So uh, there we go. Otherwise, the pre-wash would have taken care of this crazy neon mountain dew green <laughs> that came out um, instead. But anyway, so uh, so that was a bit of a, a like, oh my god, last minute. Um, they're drying literally the negatives were drying as we were you know gearing up to do the podcast but then AIDS negatives hadn't arrived so it ended up being okay <laughs> got like an extra two weeks <laughs> um so yeah so anyway so it was taken in the Lake District at Blackwell Arts and Crafts House which is a really beautiful house um and I would recommend somebody to go but um I uh I just 
really enjoyed sitting on the wall and as I was sitting there contemplating which landscape to take this particular um shot um sort of appeared before my eyes as the two people walked into shot and sort of stood there and I I liked the contrast of their clothes uh, thinking obviously in monochrome because obviously we were look I was looking at it in color of course but knowing I got my um my foma pan in there I thought well um with her being a little bit lighter and his being a little bit darker that might look quite nice as a contrast against the the trees behind um and I wanted to try and um capture some of the shadow that was falling off the other side of the um the wall so it felt a little bit graphic even though it would it got the um the sort of like nature standard late nature's landscape if you like it got the uh, as aid said a leading line down the center cool so we go. okay that's where that one came from that's what that one and the second one i'm going to struggle to describe this but it looks like it's been taken from a similar spot because you can see the mm-hmm. low wall and mm-hmm. you can see some uh some hills in in mm-hmm. the background but the whole thing has i believe <laughs> uh, been shot through a kaleidoscope is that right yeah that's right. Yeah. <laughs> and uh, yeah. and and as a result, you've got some really uh, sharp lines across it, which slice the photo and, and play with yeah, and, and switch it about. So it really is just like it's been sliced and diced and put back together in a funny order um, as a kaleidoscope will. Um, but there mm. are still some bits where you can see the landscape. So there's a bit towards the top left where you can see a long way into the distance with with some sky and some mountains. And then there's a bit in the bottom right where you can actually see the wall, um, which uh, if you're going to tell me this was was deliberate and you played around with it for ages to get this exactly right, then that's uh, blooming good work, I have to say. Thank you. (laughs) Uh, Thank you very much. I did. I did. It took me flipping ages to try and get this shot. And I wasn't. Can you see that actually at the top, just left of the centre, that that white sort of looks like a flare. That's the sun. That is the sun. Oh, okay. Um, yeah, yeah, because mm-hmm. it was what's a that giant... doing in a shot from the Lake District? Are you sure you haven't faked this? I know, right? <laughs> I was so chuffed that the sun came out. Hurrah! Um, uh, but yeah, um, basically there was a gigantic um, kaleidoscope there. Um, originally there was a um, a chap called Sir David Brewster, would you believe, who invented the kaleidoscope. Um, Any relation? My, well, p- quite possibly. My dad's doing the family tree at the minute. Um, and it does seem to take us back that direction. So I thought that would be amazing if uh, if there was some, some connection there. Um, but yeah, he was um, a Scottish um, scientist and um, um, physicist, I think. And he, yeah, he invented the kaleidoscope originally. And it so happened that whilst I was there, you were right, Aid, it is the same, um, the same sort of, spot if you like that i was i was taking the shots um in um they had a a ginormous um kaleidoscope which is sort of like person sized and i thought oh wow you know if i want to try something a little bit different and let's just give it a go and see what i get so i set it to infinity so i'd get at least um the the sort of like back part of the image if in shot if you like in focus um uh, with the idea being that i because obviously I'm looking through the viewfinder on the um, fold-out pocket camera. Obviously my lens is slightly lower than my viewfinder, so it was it was a little bit of um, sort of moving around and jiggling around to try and get it to the right point. Um, but what I really wanted was to make sure that I had at least something that was discernible as a landscape. Um, but then I thought this looks really cool with the different lines and the different lights sort of bouncing off the rest of the mirrors inside the kaleidoscope. Um, so yeah, so there we go. And I ended up with this kind of abstract shot. I was 
so amazed that it came out. <laughs> um, like I say, I had no idea if it would, but um, but I'm really pleased that it did. Actually, um, I was quite chuffed with how that how that came out. Looks yeah. weird. Very very <laughs> nice, very nice. I like it a lot. I like it a lot. It's um, yeah. Well, how, so Graham's next. Then how, how's, how's Graham well, going to follow that? Well, <laughs> well, should we get should we get, should we get Johnny to um, cast eyes of a Rachel first? Sure. If we do uh, the bit, sounds, it's starting to sound nervous there, mate. Are you sure you don't? <laughs> <laughs> no, to be honest, I mean, it's just I don't want Johnny to come to mind, you know, what, without having been able to clean his palate of what the thoughts that must be going through his mind on Rachel at the moment. Um, I mean, you know, I, I just want that out of the way. I want him to be able to vent that first so he can approach mine feeling calmed again. Well, there you go. Can't say fairer than that. Johnny, over to you. All right. Uh... <laughs> Well, uh, two two very different images, um, w- which I, I really in- enjoyed. Uh, very different, but as, as you say, um, I guess in terms of what is in the images themselves, it, they they look related, um, but execution wise, they're just very different. I I really like the the you know first of all, definitely a sucker for the square format, as we've been talking about earlier in the show here. Um, I, I really like square compositions, and they're very str- to me, square is very. St- strange for landscape so it let it lends itself to kind of forcing you to do the unusual i would say and i and the, the first shot which is the kind of straight on call it a conventional landscape sort of where you you know we have the two people in the wall um and there's a horizon and the, the horizon <laughs> is common to the entire shot but the way the shot is divided up because of that wall you essentially in the lower you know, the lower half right, we have a kind of a square and then we have the rest of the image that the other remaining three quarters. I mean, it almost looks like two things cut together in an mm-hmm. odd way. Mm-hmm. So I, I, I very much like that that um, it was taking a landscape and, re- and, and somehow reducing it to a, a shape or a couple of shapes um, with this wall kind of chopping it right in into quarters sort of so i thought it was a very interesting image from that perspective and i was doing kind of the old trick where i put my thumb over the two people standing by the wall <laughs> and to, to see what that would look like without the two people there and it's a very different shot that the, mm-hmm. the the two people if you do kind of thumb no thumb thumb no thumb um the people <laughs> <laughs> the people standing there make it a very different image so i you know i um kind of a interesting from a timing perspective that they were included and they're kind of looking off into this landscape of which they're not really part of the landscape that you've made the shot of, if that makes sense. Yeah. yeah. I mean, right. They it's do like, break it... the flow up, don't they, Johnny? I'm seeing that too. <laughs> they do break the flow. I'm doing the thumb, no something now. Like, yeah, yeah. It's just, yeah. Yeah. Very they're, insightful. They're unaware of the fact that they are in Rachel's landscape. That's what I find interesting about. And then the second shot, I mean, I, I really I really love this one. It, it makes sense now hearing the story of it being a kaleidoscope and not just a kaleidoscope, but like this mammoth kaleidoscope TARDIS or something. Yeah, uh, it's cool. Yeah, so, yeah. so because I, it's funny that we have this, kale- at the camera shop, we have this kaleidoscope that actually has a 49 millimeter uh, filter ring attached to it so you can actually screw this whole thing on the front of a lens yeah it's really cool it's obviously handmade it's really interesting but the thing that's kind of um it's not bad but it's just it does you look through the lens and it's obviously a kaleidoscope because it's dead centered and the image is broken up into these you know um facets that are very kaleidoscopic but what i kind of really like about this image is that the kaleidoscope is not like a 
dead center on division in a way that is um, a geometrically even all the way around the image, if that makes sense. It's kind of yeah. broken into this odd shape because the kaleidoscope is not like square on. And so I found that very interesting. It's very, I mean, it looks like very much like a Russian constructivist kind of photo where, <laughs> you know, yeah. pieces are kind of layered on each other. So, and especially the fact that again, if, if this, the square does this, uh, makes the image for me because if it was just a rectangle, it would be very different. And we'd only maybe be looking at the two bits of horizontal landscape. Like there's the one where it looks like kind of a meadow and the other one where it looks like you've got like a little bit of a, um, you know, mountain ridge kind of thing. Yeah. So there, yeah. there's little bits in there, but then the rest of it is all just kind of like fractured mess. And yeah. so it's like, I, I like the fact that it's um, grounded in a couple of pieces of landscape, but then the rest of it is just kind of like, completely dud. What the heck is that? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> that was very interesting from that standpoint. Is there enough of it there for that to be a landscape, though? I mean, you know, I mean, you used the word mess. I wasn't going to say mess, but you used the word mess, Johnny, so I'm just going to repeat <laughs> it. Um, this kind of mess of stuff that's there. I mean, There's it's, a lot of stuff. And there's, there is uh, a lot of stuff. Yeah, it's, yeah there's a lot of uh, stuff from different directions. <laughs> Uh, there's some dust and, and and things in there as yeah, well. Yeah, that's true. Uh, yeah, yeah. Not, I, I don't mean that in a negative. It's you know, I think it kind of goes with the whole thing. There are no power lines. Let's let the there are no know. power lines. Unfortunately, Rachel is, is power line free in both of her photos. So, if only I'd have realized beforehand yeah. that yeah. this was Talk a thing for you, Johnny. Yeah. I, I, I tried. I tried my best with the like the square format yeah. and the you know the abstract and the something that's a bit weird and different and a ah. particular person personal connection but i miss the power lines there must be some civil servant in the lake the lakes you could talk to that could get on plant (laughs) some power lines here and there to improve the vistas in that only a matter of time yeah Yeah. (laughs) right holiday homes get some holiday homes thrown out there on that mountaintop and get some power lines and you'd be great (laughs) (laughs) okay right on to graham's then shall we graham would you like me to describe yours uh, I mean, sure, knock just, yourself just, out. Just a couple of fields. <laughs> yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. No, I mean, I I can't really argue with that. Um, where I yeah, live, I, what is... I will say though is that, uh, to be fair to you, there are some power lines in the first one, uh, <laughs> and actually in the second one. Um, and they the are one. they are clearly accidental because they have no positive role in the composition they at were... all. Oh, <laughs> I will explain to you exactly why they are there and how deliberate they were when I get to it. Okay, so. Uh, the the first picture I, I shot an entire role uh, with um, Ilford SFX, uh, thinking, well, I know how boring and bland the landscape is where I live, so maybe using some super sort of snazzy <laughs> special effects will uh, help jazz it up a bit. Um, but none of the pictures that I took with filters came out um, because the camera just did not compensate at all. I thought it was metering through the lens. I don't think it was. I, don't, I think it what was just filters. Being, well, you have it. Do you have a proper red fil- filter on it? Yeah, I had a real, real dark one. Oh, <laughs> and, yeah. um, and so all those frames came out as if the lens cap had been on. So that wasn't great. So I was just kind of luckily I shot some in between because um, I, I wanted to see was how much of an effect it made. <laughs> then it made quite a significant effect having the filter on it. Turns out there was no picture. So. Um, <laughs> I was left with kind of basically not much to pick from uh, this first picture, which is just looking down the small hill across 
a vast vista of flat, tedious landscape with just fields and trees. It's more boring than it sounds. I, I picked that one really just to show how boring it is where I live um, because it, there is nothing. Um, uh, and, and the second one uh, was me shooting at an angle across that nothing in the one small bit of hill I could find. Um, but as you quite rightly pointed out, Aid, the one thing I did try to capture in the first one, because you've got the lines in the fields where the... Um, uh, agricultural machinery had been going and I really wanted to convey with that the lines of the power lines sort of as a ju juxtaposition of the natural lines the trees um, and then in the second one um, on the right hand because it's a court, looking through um, a wheat field with some um, uh, pathways up through it and on the right hand side there's this beautiful tree just off just nice there and then to balance it on the left hand line you've got the natural tree on the right hand side and to balance it on the left hand side you've just got this just lovely little bit of a power line there just to give it just just help balance out the picture i think i'm um, gonna cry i really do the only thing you've managed to juxtapose to these compositions is a huge <laughs> steaming pile <laughs> bullshit that's uh, what you've juxtaposed right there <laughs> so i i think i've really captured the very essence of um landscape and also my passion for landscape photography because it really is a thing i feel very passionately about and i really feel like that comes through in these pictures um uh, over to you johnny <laughs> well, so now I'm, I'm gonna throw you a bone here right because actually uh because because uh, uh, actually i don't i know you you live in this landscape i don't live in a landscape uh, uh quite like this and actually, what I see is it reminds me of, you know, uh, a proper, a, a, well, and it was very hot, I know, when you were taking these, because that, that was in the middle of the heat wave. But th this sort of brings to mind uh, a proper, you know, British summer's day in, in, in a in a rural farming area so on. and i think you have captured some nice lines in that first one uh in in the crop machinery lines uh the, the second one uh you've got it nice and sharp in the front with the i guess that's wheat or something growing um uh, uh matched off against the the fluffy clouds in the top of this uh and and, and you've got a, a almost a lone tree as well you know as a, as a signature bit so no, yeah they're not that bad mate they're not that bad yeah i feel as passionate about them as you do eh? trust me all right uh, i'll go one step further they're very not bad <laughs> uh go on johnny find well, something constructive to say about these well Good what luck. i really appreciate is is how you um have clearly uh taken notes from uh hillary's submission in a cheap mm. shot challenge and yes. thought well right i can do that i can go out and walk in the field and i'll do it sober and I'll actually make the horizon level and I'll fit a little bit of power line in there and I'll arrange the wheat little, there's like little grassy bits. I'll arrange those in a way to subliminally say, please pick my shot, Johnny. <laughs> and so I appreciate the amount of effort that you, you put into this image to, you know, to, to make it, um, you know, this is pretty much a masterpiece, I would say based on yeah. seeing some of your other shots. So, you know, I, I, I like that film grain, the, the grain you get, I would give you extra points for film grain as well. Cause I, I really quite like the contrast in the film grain, especially in the, the closer up shot with the big black tree. So, and the power lines. So I, I mean, I, I really quite like that shot a, a lot. And I, I like the other one too. I mean, it, you know, you've got a nice horizon power lines just down from that. 
and then this, you know, the kind of the agricultural look, nice contrast. It, interesting. I was wondering on the film on this one, and it's interesting to hear that it was SFX because it definitely has that look to it. Um, and it, it's kind of broken into thirds or at least quarters or something. Um, but it there's a kind of a recession of the view from the the close to the horizon. Mm. Which really is nice. Hazes out at the top. Yeah, yeah. And then you got it kind of the lines in the field that are sort of centered that, you know, you get about halfway through looking at the shot and you've got horizontal, horizontal, but then you've got verticals that sort of carry you forward into the rest of the shot. So it's certainly a landscape that I don't, I, we have landscapes kind of like this here, but not really. So I, I kind of appreciated that. Um, that's a bit of a, a glimpse into a, a landscape that's different than one one that I'm used to seeing. So that was kind of nice too. Okay, there we was go. Was that nice enough? I was trying yeah, to be very really good. Nice. You did I mean, I, very okay. well. Okay, all right, all right, all right. As if, I want to create a safe space here for your feelings. So <laughs> <laughs> He has I no problem it. sharing his feelings on this show. Have you not ever listened to it before? <laughs> <laughs> the next two watercolors are AIDS, aren't they? <laughs> yeah, okay, all right. So, well, let's say, well, there's water in both of them, I guess. Uh, the first one is brown murky water because it's the River Thames. <laughs> Um, so uh, what you've got here is an urban landscape. This is one of my favourite places along the banks of the Thames, actually. This is on the north bank of the Thames, uh, just between the Customs House and the Tower of London. Uh, so the Tower of London is just behind me as I'm stood here. And one of the things I love about the Thames is when the tide is out, uh, there's actually a little beach. Um, it's the sort of beach you do archaeology, uh, not the sort of beach you, you go and sunbathe on. Um, but you can just walk down a lot of places on the bank of the Thames. You can just walk down the steps by, on the embankment and, and just have a stroll around on the beach and take photographs. So this is one of my favourite Make sure you're wearing shoes. It, yes, yes. Um, but it's, uh, uh, it's, it's, it's actually quite pleasant. People go down there and they, they search through stuff for stuff. I don't know what they're looking for. I'm usually looking for places to take photographs at a slightly different view. Uh, and this is, uh, although I'm right by the Tower of London, actually the first bridge you can see in the, in the middle ground is actually a very famous bridge. It is London Bridge. Um, yeah. uh, not to be confused with Tower Bridge, uh, but it's London Bridge. And then behind that, you've got Southwark Bridge. And behind that, in the very distance, is, uh, you can see the footings of Blackfriars Bridge. So there's three mm -hmm. famous London bridges here. Um, it is very low tide, and I'm just having a wander around. And, you know, you've got all the artifacts from the riverbank there. And a person for scale wandering along the beach as well. I'm just doing that thing um, that Johnny was saying about, about putting my thumb in front of it. And what I found is if you move far enough back from the screen... You can block the whole picture out with your thumb. <laughs> <laughs> hey, that works. You're right. I just tried that. Wait, that worked. That totally works. Well, you need to get a bigger screen then. <laughs> are they small or are they far away? Uh, yes, Dougal. So the. Um, <laughs> It, so yeah um i mean so that 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 is my urban landscape and uh, there are power lines in there they're just a bit blurry because i'm using 110 film but you can see the cranes and you can see street lights and and stuff like that and i was going to ask about the, the, the format actually because it, it feels it's very letterbox isn't it actually it is it is mm. a, it is a crop uh the the, uh, the the 110 format is a four by three format um naturally and this one uh had some empty space that would be better to, to crop it out. The next one is the full four by three, though. So uh, uh, I, I don't know if we have any rules about cropping. I think, you know, a lot of our 
uh, a lot of our submissions uh, for this round were cropped so uh, i'm uh, you know i'm i'm following the trend rather than making it i guess there <laughs> mine wasn't cropped was yours cropped oh. graham uh, yeah no mine were cropped no no i mean that's why i didn't leave in too much sky like you did in your first picture rach um i, I cropped mine down um to make it neat and tidy um why <laughs> so, why did you photograph blobs in your second picture aid <laughs> so this is okay so this is my second picture this is a coastal landscape um so again in water but the water is is blue this time and really it was that blue so this is the south coast of cornwall um and uh the water there is just an awesome color it really is so on a, on yeah. a cliff top walk um uh, and you know spotted an umbrella uh a sun umbrella and a couple of people down on the beach so i've tried to include i tried to wrap the shot with having uh, not a horizon but the cliffs that came around because this was a cove so i rather than having a horizon at the uh, the top i've put uh, the bottom of those cliffs so you've got some frame of reference there uh, the sea opens out to the left so that uh, you know it was difficult to find something that would go there other than france but that was a bit far away <laughs> <laughs> so the left side of the shot remains open to indicate the uh, the the sea um, and uh, in the foreground because i was at the top of the cliffs i found some uh, some very nice brightly colored flowers some nice yellow flowers to use as some foreground interest to take a picture down uh, down to the beach um, the dots are um, they are i suppose what i would call cheap shots challenge natural artifacts <laughs> <laughs> character <laughs> um uh this uh, yes uh, i i guess um it's rare that we get so much sunlight in the uk as we've had uh, not now because it's pouring my rain but a few weeks ago when i took these um and that might have exposed some uh, slightly uh, less than uh, uh, less than perfect light sealing in either the lens or, <laughs> or the door of my camera i think it might be the lens but or in, no, in and around the lens, dust, man. In and around it? the lens, it is. It's a little bit of magic fairy dust, um, but uh, you know, just to spice it up a little bit. I would have, I would have said that those were the sharks you hired to be in your shot. With little, <laughs> little lasers mounted on them to take out the people on the shoreline there uh, to, to, uh, eat know, the, just, to eat the to eat the bait. Having noted Sorry. that you might, maybe you had referenced Roberto Martin's photos from the Cheap Shots Challenge and how well those work when he, you know, he did a similar sort of thing. Well, so. I have sent these uh, to Seti. Um, just in case. <laughs> so, um, so there's there's no horizon and there's no power lines. And actually, the pretty flower in the foreground looks very much to me to be ragwort, which is pretty much the most noxious weed we have in the UK at the moment. Public enemy number one. Um, so, I mean, do you know where this is, though? Do you know where this is, right? This is where this start as one of the starts of the internet is right in this part of Cornwall. So this this. Um, might interest those into the urban and telecommunication space uh, just around the corner from where i took this is a place called porth kerno um, and porth kerno is where the first transatlantic uh, uh, communications cables the 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 undersea the the seabed cables for carrying uh, telegraph and and telephone and internet signals is where they were first laid on on the english side of the atlantic so this is a, a place that, although it may not have power lines, there are absolutely hundreds and hundreds of lines, um, but they're just under the sea. Oh, so there you go, Johnny. Just imagine mm, all just the power lines. Yes. That context has really changed the shot for me, so I, you know, I do appreciate that. Um, <laughs> it's too bad the they're not in the shot, the but detail. okay. Yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah. Well, maybe, maybe maybe those spot dots are not actually light artifacts or aliens. Maybe they're, they're the the ah. flappy ends of fiber optic cables. 
Now we're talking. Yeah. Do you know why? It, this is why Graham has such poor internet connection because those are his <laughs> those are his his fibers. <laughs> <laughs> oh my god so i just want do they do they let do they let large men wander around half naked like that around london is that a thing i'm just looking at the kind of shoreline picture uh, did you hire did, did you have to pay him to stand there still or was he <laughs> did that voluntarily or no, what there, there, there are a there is a community of uh shoreline scavengers i mean you okay. see them on both banks of the river i have no idea what they're looking for um, so is this you know i i, I read an article about this somewhere that they that that when the tide is down people look for bits of like pipe broken clay pipes and stuff that were thrown off some other bridge that was there 400 years ago oh or something. yeah yeah so if is that is that kind of the same yeah it is the sort of same thing do you ever uh what was the uh the archaeology pro time team did you ever watch time team Ah, I don't okay. know if it made Maybe it to BBC like America, yeah. but they actually did it. They made a TV program once when they did an archaeological wow. dig on the banks of the, the Thames at low tide. And they ah. had to find ways of shoring it up and stopping the water coming into their dig and stuff like that. So, yeah, I mean, it is that sort of thing. People looking for historical objects. Well, I do. I do like the um, I mean, it, it's interesting. It reminds me of uh, Chicago because we have a river and we have many, many bridges uh that's true yes good point yeah yeah we we don't um most of the archaeology here is uh pulling dead bodies out of the water so we don't quite have the same <laughs> in chicago so we don't quite have the same uh we i mean we don't have tides so it's just floaters um but we so we don't have the same <laughs> kind of archaeology possibilities uh but i do quite like like that um i it, it's i mean it's it's actually really interesting to me i i i've done stuff like that in other places where I just kind of wander around and look for bits of junk you know that wash up so it's kind of that's kind of cool um it's an interesting interesting cityscape definitely the one the 110 in the crop uh you know it's definitely going to give you a softer image like we have it was what 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 film were you using did you say uh it is the loma tiger 200 ah okay which okay. is uh I mean, the, here in the uk there are actually very few 110 films you can buy lomo in theory yeah. do a uh, a theory they do a slide film i think um but they mm. also do a black and white um but the uh the the tiger the tiger color which is just a c41 i find comes out really right. really warmly yeah, we we've had the same films uh, selection of films at the at Central Camera. I think uh, I think we're out of them at the moment, but we've had we have actually had all three of those. I think I, I have a roll of it around here somewhere. But um, yeah, it definitely has a one ten look to it. It looks just like the crappy uh, stuff I used to get back on prints when I was a kid when we all had one ten cameras. So yeah. it's a very it's you, a very nostalgic. Do you know Do you know the weird thing actually? Um, I was watching. Uh, there's a YouTube uh channel, a chap called Caleb Pike, who does a channel called DSLR Shooters Guide or something like. I can't remember what it's called. It's, but his name is Caleb Pike, and he did. Um, and he's a video guy, and he did a whole show on YouTube about a week ago about converting Pentax Auto 110 lenses for use on video cameras. Oh yeah, 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 yeah on things yeah. like a GH5 and stuff like that because. Uh, uh you know that uh, a 110 lens has just enough image mm -hmm. uh footprint uh image circle to to fill a smaller digital sensor so uh yeah yeah interesting yeah, it's a very a very interesting funky image yeah well johnny yeah. you've seen the pictures now you have to make 
your choice and it has to be oh, the right wow. choice otherwise we will never let you back on this podcast <laughs> again <laughs> you will never darken our because there's been there's been i think the word would be travesty there's been some travesties of late um, we've had some short-sighted individuals on with some funny ideas out for uh, what photography is and i'm, I'm hoping I, I have a good feeling that we're going to break this trend uh and we're going to move forward in a positive way from this I, seeing as how i think i'm entering my sixth hour of sunny 16 i've probably been <laughs> on more of the show more than almost anyone else Yours? at this point so. that's a very good <laughs> point yeah right right so i mean you know what i don't know if I, what i have to lose so i could just try to be honest i do i will say i wish that these images had no image labels no labels on them so i didn't know whose was whose because it I mean the pressure is point. yeah the pressure is really on knowing who made which images um uh, well, I, what I would have to say is the image that I um, keep coming back to uh, for a number of reasons is Rachel's kaleidoscopic interpretation of <gasps> the landscape. Oh, my God. I mean, okay, <laughs> well, let me just put another line through that. Case. Now, if there was a runner-up. Hang on. Hang, a on runner up. hang on. No, no, hang on. Did that mean that I win? Yeah. Yes, that's I think pretty, it does, pretty, pretty Rach. clearly, well Rach, and done, deservedly, Rach. Rach. That is an oh awesome God. shot. Thank you so much. That's, that's, a, that's, that's a cheap shot. Mm-hmm. That's my first one. My so, Johnny was talking about his runner-up. Who would your runner-up be, Johnny? Just, just well, just it go. was actually a two-way tie. So, don't even care. Don't take away my first win. No, Rach. I think no. Let's stop. Let's stop a minute and celebrate that, Rach. That is an awesome shot, and if yeah, and I love it. And it's a deserving, it's a deserving winner, Rach. If it was in colour, it would be even better. <laughs> of course, of course. I no, you know what? I don't know. I have to say, I, I, what I, what I like about it again, I can squint. And and Graham, you might try this. You, if you squint hard enough, the image just kind of completely disappears. You can do that with or without your thumb, also. You can do it with or without your thumb. But, but, but I, I like how the fact that it's black and white turns it into a series of shapes. And coming out of those shapes, you have two – the only really two distinct things you have is you have a bit of landscape that's more kind of mountainy sky. And then you have another one that's, you know, obviously that a wall and then a bit of meadow. But the meadow almost looks like the pages of a book that are open because you've got a line kind of down the middle and a little curvature out. So, um, And actually, there's a little bit of landscape above that. So I thought the uh, way that it kind of fractured the landscape into something – completely different and used the square format in a way that was is really uh pretty unique i, I thought that was really well done and, wow. and, and no points off for the dust and no points <laughs> off for the fact that they, in unfortunately in the in the lakes district there are no power lines <laughs> but it's really a well done image thank you very much johnny i really appreciate that yay i'm well so done, i'm right. so chuffed right. i've won one the only <laughs> person happier for you than i am is graham <laughs> uh, I mean, in fairness, I, I came into this with a very low level of confidence even before I picked up my camera. So, I mean, I do think both of you guys probably did a better job than me this you time. Get the, you get the grain award. You get the grain prize. So I'll, take a, I'll, I'll take it. I'll take it. A grain prize that you get it for the closer up shot that you copied from Hillary and <laughs> did it straight and you did it sober and none the better for the effort. No, it's better for the I would maybe. Um, but you definitely, for that, you get grain points. And if if you were on Facebook, I would invite you to join 
the Facebook group that um, I believe myself and Mike Novak kind of accidentally made that is called uh, Beautiful Grainy Mush, because this is definitely... <laughs> That's such a good I'm not title. sure I want to give him a prize for grain. Where he lives, there's loads of grain. It grows everywhere. <laughs> Get it, grain, in quotes. Oh, boy. Grain. So I think you should uh, the beautiful grainy mush, and it would be a double grain. Double, You've doubled down on the grains. So. The double grain. Uh, well, you <laughs> yeah. know. Even the sharp bit of that photo is grainy. <laughs> uh right well listen i think we should take another quick break now we've got a few more quick emails to get to and also most importantly we need johnny to um pick what will be the next round of the cheap shots challenge so should we have a quick break now do that and then come back and do these last few bits okay why not why not break now And we're back, and after that smashing and well-deserved win for Rachel, uh, well, Rachel, you've got a shout-out, haven't you? I have, actually, yes. I um, had a message on Facebook uh, this week from a chap called John Yao. Uh, he says, Hi, Sonnies, my name is John Yao from Geelong, Victoria, Australia. After listening to your current podcast talking about art versus gear... I'm the co-founder of the Australian film photography blog, which promotes contemporary film shooters from across the globe. The blog is all about the art side with a narrative accompanying the pieces of work. I would be keen to hear your thoughts about this as it has been a fast 12 months building momentum and he sent us the link for it. So uh, he says, look forward to continuing to listen to the podcast. Uh, keep up the great work for the film community. I think that fits in really nicely, actually, with what you were obviously chatting about last week uh, in reference to the email that came in from Barnaby Nutt, from Ian Barnaby Yeah, Nutt, absolutely. Um, talking yes. about, obviously, um, how we discuss photography and um, that we don't really discuss so much about the why. Uh, it's more about the what was it we used to take it with. So, um, so yeah, this might be quite interesting for some of our listeners. And the um, the website, the link to go to is afps.blog. There we go. So that is the Australian Film Photographers Scene. So it's the afps.blog. And you'll find there um, a really nice looking website with loads of um, featured photographers and uh, with like an image. And again, as he said, um, John's mentioned that, you know, it comes alongside text that will tell you uh, a bit about why it's been taken. So that's really interesting, I think. Yeah, yeah. Ab ab absolutely. He's good. Yes, always good to, to, to connect with other communities as well. Mm. Uh, ex good stuff. Um, before we uh, go into the dive into some more listener emails, um, uh, have you got an uh, acceptance speech for us, Rach? Anybody you'd like to thank? <laughs> uh, any any inspirations in your work that underpin your win today? Cheese. Cheese. Yeah, I guess. cheese definitely okay. underpins that picture. Yeah, it was very cheesy. Cheese is the word. Okay, there you go. Thank you. Cheese. Haven't you heard that cheese is the word? Yeah. Oh, very good. I yeah. feel like we should do a like cross Atlantic high five there, Johnny. But <laughs> 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 that would have been good. I can just picture. I can just picture one of you dressed as John Travolta and the, and the other one as Olivia <laughs> Newton-John singing "Cheese is the word." <laughs> But which, which is which? That's the question on everyone's mind. 
I think I was picturing the Family Guy, but you know. Ah, right. <laughs> yeah, yeah, fair yeah. enough. Yeah, that's it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yes. Clearly, I've been watching too many musicals. <laughs> the word is of a certain dairy variety. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Okay, on to emails. Graham, you're going to read the first one. Yep. So, um, a quick follow-up from Nigel Cliff from last week's show. Uh, Nigel wrote to us saying he was being brave and going out without a digital camera. And he said, Eric's comments regarding this were very interesting. The difference to just going out with a film camera nowadays is that unless you can afford a new Leica, you're forced to go with used cameras that you have no idea how they've been treated and whether you'll get any results out of them. Back in the film days, I bought the camera new and treated it with the loving care, so we're fairly confident it would work properly. Now we can't be sure, but maybe that's half the fun. <laughs> Cheers from Nigel. I have to say, I have a lot more confidence going out with my film cameras than I ever do with digital. Mm -hmm. That's because you've broken your digital camera and not bothered to get it mended. <laughs> yes, there's definitely that. But also, with most of my film cameras... I'm not relying on a battery that gets chewed through super quickly or a memory card or that might just fail. Yeah, there's so many Sorry. things that can go wrong. I definitely have far more confidence that as long as it's a camera that I've used a few times, it's going to keep being a good boy. So I, I mean, obviously, I would go... some of our film cameras have the electronics in them still, of course, and, and that is partly partly the problem when they do go wrong, that that is... That's the difficulty behind it. Yeah, I would I would agree with all of that. I think I've, I I feel the need to challenge you, Nigel. I'm sorry. Um, yeah, if I want bulletproof cameras, um, you know, uh, I'm very happy just to take film. Uh, not all of them, um, but yeah, you know, I have a couple that uh, you know, that I would absolutely trust and have trusted. Um, and uh, yeah, I think that's. Uh, I think it depends on what cameras you get. If you buy them from a thrift store of some kind, yeah, there's a it's a bit of a or, or from eBay it's a bit a bit of luck involved but if you get them from a decent source and if they've been serviced recently or if you get them serviced uh, i'm still finding mine are absolutely bulletproof so uh, you know just a uh, word of advice um don't lend it to graham yeah that's a fair point <laughs> i mean john you you work in the camera shop you see stuff coming yeah. from it seems to me that yeah. the big difference is that with the old cameras you can actually open them up see what's working and fix them and take care of them over the years whereas with digital yeah. it will work right up until the point when it doesn't and that's the end of that yeah 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 there's i the industry term well it's my industry term for digital cameras <laughs> is disposable uh because they are all disp i don't care if they have a red dot on them they are all disposable they're not built to last they're built to be replaced by the newer bigger and better digital camera so they so i totally didn't know what you were talking about with the red dot for a minute i was like ah, what yeah. <laughs> because it's broken that you put a red dot on it <laughs> call of duty sites again a certain brand of camera with a red <laughs> yeah. dot yeah. Gotcha. yeah even even those even those are not are not built to last forever so i yeah i i did um, like cars, I guess, right? Yeah, like, they totally like is. Mini. I could yes. take my mini apart. I couldn't take my mini apart, but do you know what I mean? Like there were bits of it I could take apart, and bits that fell off. <laughs> right. But there were bits yeah. that, you know, relatively easily I could, you know, put a new alternator in, or I could yeah, do exactly. something with the bodywork if I needed to, you know, that kind of stuff. It's yeah, it, yeah. And and now that you, you have to plug them into a computer, and it's all electronics and computers, and so it becomes yeah. a whole different ball game with that. Yeah, and if 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 the camera is more than let's say like two two to three upgrade cycles old, it is absolutely not going to be worth repairing once it breaks. It is trash. 
I mean, there's no way. I mean, if something goes wrong, it's going to cost, it's going to be $300 wasted on this thing. That's, you could just buy another one for 150, you know? So it's like, they're just not meant to, mm -hmm. to last and the lenses are the same way. And so, you know, and I mean, honestly, the, the, a lot of film cameras from the 80s, early 90s, where the electronics were still a bit wonky. I mean, those have a lot of problems too, but, yeah. you know, but there's still a lot of them you can still kind of keep going because there's so many of them out there that you could, you know, you could theoretically fix it and keep it running. But nah, digital stuff is just, it's disposable, pure disposable. Okay, uh, on that cheery note, um, <laughs> hey, do you take this next quick one from Paul Friday? I think so, yes. I can probably just about uh, get through this one because it's a nice short one. Hi, Paul. Uh, he says, Dear Sunbeams, what a radical idea that you might discuss photography as output rather than tools. <laughs> and this is quite a good starting resource. And he sent us a link to uh, a website that talks about uh, art composition um and uh you know so uh something we uh, certainly i could benefit from learning about uh, or a, a quick look at the website shows that there's definitely some hints and tips there on um of what makes good composition and why uh, with reference to uh old masters i guess uh, in the painting world rather than uh, photography but uh, you know they they are there for a reason i am sure so thank you very much paul a good starting point as well um, would be, uh, I guess, um, Ways of Seeing by Do John Berger. Uh, I don't yeah. know if yeah, you yeah. guys have come across that. Just no. from an um, art um, perspective, but obviously from a Ways of Seeing perspective, it's um, it's a unique look at the way that we look at art, that how we, how we actually view it, how we actually see it, and how we digest it. So, yeah, it's... Um, See, he says, I think uh, something along the lines of like seeing comes before words. So it's about recognizing it before you you speak about it, if you like. So, uh, yeah, that would be one to perhaps have a look at as well. It's called Ways of Seeing by John Berger. Thank you for that email as well. Always good to find out um, other links to things. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Uh, who's next then? Rach, are you next for the next email? Yeah. Is it me? Okay. Yeah. Uh, hi, Sunbeams. Um, I've been working from home this past week, uh, this past few weeks, as we pack up our apartment for a move to a new city and have had your podcast playing continuously. Oh, my God. Sorry about that. <laughs> yeah. um, uh, that was just that was just the one show as well. <laughs> <laughs> oh, my goodness. Imagine if you started at episode 100 because then it, that was in three parts you'd have to do all of the episode 100 and then and then the cheap shots challenge oh my goodness well um there's no name actually at the top top part so uh, i'm a bit worried now as to who it was um anyway they carry on to say it's been a very welcome distraction from the endless stacks of boxes oh well that, that's good to know um a number of times my wife has called me and has been curious as to who was talking away in the background graham usually <laughs> yeah. yep. just a podcast i reply uh, but i have the distinct feeling that she thinks i've been slacking off and just inviting friends around rather than packing spatulas and plastic tubs into boxes <laughs> she may be right with the slacking off bit um i run a small online photography magazine called photo slash photo so p-h-o-t-o slash f-o-t-o with the aim of providing a platform for new photographers from all genres. I publish fo uh, folios and interviews along with a few exhibition and product related stories, but primarily, sorry, <laughs> but primarily it is all about providing a level of exposure. 
if you will pardon the pun, for new ex- uh, for new photographers. Says, I would love to hear from and feature more photographers who are passionate about film and alternative photographic processes. And I know for sure that your listeners are a particularly passionate bunch, photographically speaking, that is. Well, <laughs> it could be it could be other ways as well, I suppose. Um uh, they say I've included contact details and a uh, website social media links uh, below in case any listeners are interested in finding out more. I'm sure we'll be able to put those in the show notes as well. Um, um, and they say thank uh, thank you for this and for your amazing support for the analog photography community. Many thanks and all the best from Martin. So um, thank you very much, Martin. Um, he is the editor of Photo slash Photo Magazine, um, and yeah, we'll pop the uh, pop the links in there. If you go on Instagram, uh, you're looking for P H O T O F O T O M A G, so Photo Photo Mag. There we go on Instagram yeah. and on Twitter. Excellent. Yeah, well worth checking out the website as well. It's a very nice, elegant website with some lovely work on there, very varied work as well. So definitely worth checking out, and you know, get in touch with them if you'd like your work to be featured as well. It's um, great to hear about another place that's out there. Pushing the medium forward. So that's very cool. Okay, uh, this next one is from Ryan Buck. Um, and this is a question that uh, you, you might be able to help with on this one, Aid. So uh, Ryan writes in Hello, everybody. I have a question about light modifiers. As far as soft boxes and umbrellas are concerned, do you feel that pricier ones perform better than cheaper ones? Not so much build quality, but does the light diffusion change much? I'm looking for soft boxes for my speed lights and notice that the prices go from around $25 all the way up to infinity. <laughs> this is true. Any oh. thoughts? That's from Ryan Buck. Thank you very much. Great question, Ryan. Okay. Uh, it is. Yeah. Well, okay. So, uh, I mean, I can speak from personal experience. Um, I tend to use uh, the cheapest I can find that are sturdy, um, and uh, there, uh, and that's about it really. Um, here in the UK, there, yes, uh, they do go for it. Uh, Ryan doesn't say where he's from, I don't think, but here in the UK, certainly they do go from. Oh no, it says dollars. They go from quite cheap on eBay, you know, a few pounds, uh, right the way up to pretty much infinity, um, and. Uh, I'm not sure. I mean, I I haven't really got a bunch of experience in using the expensive ones. Um, I have done a lot of study on it, though, um, by watching other people's uh, usage of them, often on YouTube. Actually, YouTube is a great resource for people who want to compare lighting modifiers and things like that. Um, and so there's, there's a fair amount to be learned there. And, and for me, I would say, uh, as a hobbyist, I wouldn't go anywhere near the really expensive ones. Um, I think I've spoken before... Is that because uh, you stood next to Graham? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, he'd probably break it. Um, that's, uh, Sorry, Graham. Yeah, whatever. I've spoken before about a, a brand or a family of brands that makes a lot of sense to me as an enthusiastic amateur, um, which is uh, the Manfrotto family of brands. And this family has gotten bigger and bigger. So the company that owns Manfrotto, if I get the name right, it's called something like <laughs> Vitec Group. And they own Manfrotto and Gitso, uh, which is more of your hardware stuff, of course. But they also own companies like Lasterlite. I quite like the Lasterlite uh, modifiers. Uh, I find them to be a, a good blend of uh, cost and quality. Mm. Um, and I think, you know, um, uh, if you're looking for those kinds of things, um, 
then I think they, you know, they, they, those sort of enthusiast type brands uh, are perfectly good enough for me. Um, umbrellas, umbrellas are what like sort of ten dollars on eBay, aren't they, or Amazon? Um, <clears throat> downside of an umbrella is the light goes everywhere. <laughs> <laughs> it just sprays light everywhere um and so if that if that's what you want if you i tend to use uh, umbrellas for larger groups um where you do actually just want the light to go everywhere and make sure you cover everybody if you want anything uh, uh, a little bit more focused uh, uh a two foot or 60 centimeter soft box with a grid on it um gives a really soft light i find um but very focused so you can have a dark background and, and not have the light spilling um especially if you feather the box but that's you know that's uh, all personal um, so in terms of the light diffusion itself, what, do you think it would change much then, depending on the on the price of that piece of equipment? Are you trying Any... to say I haven't answered the question? No, no, oh, <laughs> it was just a quick. Because no, you might just, be right, um... of course. You might well be right, Rach. <laughs> no, I just uh, because I know that you said that although you've not ha- had any of the more expensive ones, you've seen them in action, um, and. I was just wondering if if you'd been in a situation where you've perhaps had the ones that you've taken along, maybe like you say, your last lights or something, and then seen um, what somebody else has been shooting um, yeah. with with the, the full setup, if you like, like the expensive ones or what have you. So I, I would say the, the type of diffuser makes mm-hmm. a much bigger difference than... Yeah the uh, the so-called the, quality or price. Price, so, yeah, cool. So... Mm-hmm. Uh, uh, you know a, a beauty dish is going to give even a beauty dish with a diffuser on the front of it is going to give a different quality of light than a soft box which mm. will do which would deliver a different quality of light from a bounce umbrella um okay. so cool. uh, one of the things that i have tried to do is i've tried to practice cheaply so if you're uh if, if you're thinking ryan that you, you don't know uh, which you might prefer in terms of modifiers i'd buy a cheap soft box a cheap umbrella um and uh maybe something for harder yeah maybe oh yeah that's a good choice yeah um and and see which you like the the style of what you like the results for and then if you find that you're using one more than the others uh, maybe then invest in something that's a bit more sturdy but i'd be going for sturdiness rather than brands at that point i think mm, mm. Um, if that's helpful at all hopefully it is i could talk about lighting kit all day so <laughs> yeah somebody better stop me shortly <laughs> we're supposed to be talking I mean, about art not yeah. <laughs> the kit uh, it's, it's, the, the art, but uh, but uh what about rembrandt lighting and, and stuff like that you know we can talk about rembrandt lighting if you like he was an artist i'm so, i'm told <laughs> Johnny, having listened to your show, I'm guessing that you you just firmly recommend Gary Fong lighting. Um, oh, I'm so glad you brought Gary Fong. Yeah, I just yeah. scrolled on a, a note. Gary Fong is like the running joke on the Classic Lenses <laughs> podcast, especially when we have uh, Jimmy Giordano on. Um, he is a he he loves to just go off on Gary Fong stuff. So, um, yeah, <laughs> I, you know, I'm a big believer in the strobist approach um having done a lot of different kind of kind of lighting things uh, strobist.com is a good place to start if you want to you know it, see how to do is. some diys yeah some diys i mean i i find that the the, the and, and i and i think you're i think you're right that the um uh the uh you know kind of the manfrotto all that kind of stuff that line of stuff is is really is really good um but I mean, a lot of it you can really improvise, and I I feel like you can you can really get a lot done by impro- improvising. It's just the stuff you buy is going to be a little more um, 
quick and professional looking if that's important, but you can, I mean, you can improvise pretty much all of it. So that's why the Gary Fong stuff is kind of a running joke. He's like the Ken Rockwell of light modifiers <laughs> or something. So wow. I, Multiple shots fired. Yeah, yeah. I'm determined to get Ken Rockwell on the Classic Lenses podcast. So I'm trying to like hit him every chance I get. But um, I think he's so, a bit, I think he's been bitten so many times. I think he's a bit oh, wary these days, isn't he? Well, he's got to be with that growing family. I like to think that Ken's growing family is multiple <laughs> wives that he has all over the country in different cities. So his family's growing because he's just impregnating. Like, you know, he's got he's got he's got a woman in every town. That's Ken Rockwell. The so views I don't think of the guests it, on the Sunday Sixteen podcast are not reflected in. Yeah, I don't think Gary uh, Fong slander, is much. much. Of a, yeah, I don't think Gary Fong's as much of a hoe as Ken Rockwell, but. <laughs> Let's uh, move swiftly on to the next email, which is from Ronnie Brandon. Um, Aid, do you want to take this one from Ronnie? Sure, sure. I, I will do. Anything, <laughs> Anything to move us away sorry. from that line of conversation. Cr- crashing into Ronnie here. Sorry, Ronnie. <laughs> okay. Hey, so Ronnie says, hey, Sunbeams. Uh, just thought I'd take you up on Graham's offer to submit an image and talk a bit about it. Okay, Yay. cool. Um, but, oh, okay. But first... I feel it needs saying that while the change of gear bias can be levelled at, sorry, the charge of gear bias can be levelled at many photography podcasts, it would be a disservice to you three fine sunbeams to lump you in with the crowd. Oh, well, thank you very much. Uh, from the very first episode I ever listened to, the thing that's kept me tuning in each week is the refreshing lack of technical babble. Oh, oh, oh Graham babbles all the time. <laughs> <laughs> but not, not technically. Technical. <laughs> oh, yeah, good point. Uh, <laughs> Ronnie goes on to say, I'm a musician by trade and having spent a decade of my life running a guitar shop. Oh, I'm jealous of that. Uh, I've mm. had my fill of ill-informed anoraks chatting shit about gear. <laughs> I can well imagine. I was in my local guitar shop just yesterday uh sadly only to buy some strings <laughs> but i was in there with my daughter who is currently seven years old she said daddy can i have a pick and then chose a lovely purple one <laughs> um so get them in there young if, I, if you ask me um the first episodes i heard featured eric and tina Rowe talking about their art in very esoteric but unpretentious ways well they were quite early ones i think weren't they mm-hmm. 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 Yeah, they were that was early last year. Yeah, uh, there was clearly a process and a thought behind their approaches that, for the first time, made me think about what I was trying to achieve with my own photography. Hey, that's really good. Yeah, good to know. Wow. Uh, yeah, um, especially the way. Uh, yeah, I mean, Eric was on uh, last week, of course, um, and, and good to ch- good to catch up with him. Tina, we haven't spoken to for a while, but yes, uh, both of them talk about their processes and what they're trying to achieve. Um, when I took the kind of retros- when I took a kind of retrospective look at the images I'm most proud of, I identified definite themes running through them, something I was unaware of when shooting them. Personally, I don't know that intent is something that's consciously present in much of my photography, and there's a certain spontaneity inherent in my preferred 35mm format, which I suspect diminishes as the logistical and fiscal concerns of larger formats dictate mm. a more considered deliberate approach <laughs> mm. uh yeah that's interesting because there's some uh, I, I i i don't look at my old stuff very often but i i've occasionally noticed you know bits and bobs of themes coming through especially in some of my more urban landscape type stuff um i wouldn't say that i've really really thought it through though maybe that's something i should do Anyway, uh, Ronnie goes on to say, uh, this seems to tie in with something Graham touched upon in this week's show, that the subconscious aspect in this is not to be understated. Uh, The intuitive 
is a major part of my creative process. It, is, it certainly is when I'm writing or making music and I'm recognizing it in my photography more too. Many times I've written songs and thought, so that's how I feel about that particular thing that happened. Like the catharsis of the creative process gave an insight into my feelings that I simply hadn't had earlier. And so maybe recognizing recurrent themes in my photography follow similar lines. I think what I'm getting at is that perhaps we don't necessarily need to explain every image we take. Most of the musicians I respect don't feel the need to blow the lid on what their songs mean. Listening to R.E.M., for instance, it's a futile exercise. I tried to decode Michael Stipe's lyrics. Yeah, been there, mate. <laughs> um, yes, so some of them, if you uh, are, yes. I get that with the music. Some, some bands, you know, I, I don't know, uh, yeah, like Muse, you know, thinly disguised communists, I think. Um, um, but but REM, um, you know, slightly difficult, slightly more tricky to interpret. Uh, they mean something to him. Yes, they probably do. Michael Stipe, this is. Um, but he's not overtly saying what. Uh, instead, there's a mood or feeling created, and each listener brings their own experience and thoughts to bear in deciphering what that is. Uh, that's one of the things I love about art, actually, in any of its forms. Hmm. Good, good thoughtful stuff. All right, I'm going to take a breath. <sighs> Sorry, because Ronnie's got more. Um, and uh, he says, uh, so I've attached one of my images, Neverland, which was taken around the beautiful old Victorian palm house in Se Sefton Park, Liverpool, hmm. uh, <laughs> with a Lomography Fisheye 2 camera. I took just so you know, guys, I've, I've stuck this picture just for convenience with the where we were last looking at our own pictures in the host things. If you want to see it, just go and look where the um, our cheap shots pictures when you can see what we're actually talking uh, about. Oh, right. Awesome. Yes. OK. Oh, wow. Hang on. I'm going to have to do nice a little um, uh, refresh, crazy. refresh, refresh, refresh. Yes, that refresh. is a nice. That's uh, that's, uh, Neverland. So, yes. Ah, beautiful. So, yeah, this Peter Pan statue is one of my absolute favourites. Um, it, yeah, it's so gorgeous. The the um, actual bottom part of the statue is covered in carvings of um, small animals and things. It's just really beautiful, like woodland animals and things. It's re really lovely. And obviously the palm house itself is just gorgeous. So, a, vi um, a Victorian yeah. glass house, as you would. Yes, yes. yes. Right, so yeah. so for, the, for listeners' benefit, um, I'm sure we can post this on the website, Graham, alongside other stuff. If, uh, uh, but we're seeing uh, a, a circular image, fisheye lens, circular image uh, the, in the foreground, a silhouette of the the Peter Pan statue, and in the background, as a as a double exposure, uh, the glass house itself. Uh, yes. Okay. So. Uh Right. Uh, sorry. Back to Ronnie's email. Um, I took the picture on the last day of 2015 uh, with the daylight fading and I could talk about what I was feeling when I shot it, how I chose Triax because of how it would render the scene like a charcoal sketch or how I find myself drawn to trying to recapture shards of memory from my childhood on film lest they vanish forever as the physical world I knew as a kid is more and more eroded, replaced by some kind of virtual reality. I could do that. But honestly, none of that consciously occurred to me until afterwards. <laughs> well, do you know what? That honesty is very well placed, Ronnie. Um, absolutely it is. Um, I was thinking more of how the shot of the palm house would be underexposed in the light of near dusk and that with no settings to adjust, I should hit the film with more light by double exposing it with the statue of Peter Pan across oh, the way. Oh, lovely. Um, spontaneity, serendipity and the subconscious all seem to have played a part in the resultant image and 
in how it fits thematically with so much of my other photography. For me, the photograph is deeply nostalgic, but what I'm attempting to say is that you might not, probably wouldn't in fact, get that same feeling when looking at it. You bring your, uh, you bring your own experience to it. So the conversation about it's the image, not the gear, is certainly one we should be having. I'm just not sure what form that conversation should take. F-stops and the rule of thirds or something a little bit more philosophical. And anyway, a Lomo fisheye can only ever have a tenuous claim to belong in the realm of gear. <laughs> <laughs> Amen, brother. <laughs> as ever. But look what it produced. Well, indeed. Right. As ever, good yeah. light ronnie brandon well thank you ronnie um awesome email um and even awesomer if there is such a word uh <laughs> photograph um you know and and uh, i don't know a, a lot of what you say there ronnie resonates with me um sometimes i i you know you point and shoot quickly um uh, and you only get to see the and the the, either the personal importance or, or the magnitude or, or the elegance in rare occasions, <laughs> at least for me, uh, of your photograph after the event. Um, and uh, this particular one, your double exposure here, has turned out very nicely indeed. I guess this is an area you know well, Rach, is it? Absolutely. It's uh, one of my favourite parts of Liverpool, that. Yep, absolutely. It's uh, it's. It's beautiful, and and I really love how he's captured captured the magical nature of of how I see that park as well, and and they, uh, you know especially the the Palm House itself and the statue and things. I think they are quite iconic in terms of people who live in in Liverpool, especially South Liverpool, um, and uh, yeah, it's it's recognisable to us, and I think from lots of as as Ronnie was saying you know sort of from childhood and things like that obviously I didn't grow up in Liverpool but nevertheless it um, it evokes a a reaction uh, for me when I look at it definitely because it's one of my favorite places so um yeah it's really really beautiful and um I think in general what we're saying about the sort of like subconscious that you know he's thought about that afterwards obviously it's been there and I think it's more of a feeling often you know when we raise our camera to our eye it's like you you almost sort of like pre-see the shot without recognizing that you're seeing the shot if you like and you're just going almost with gut or your heart or something like that rather than necessarily your brain at that point um so yeah uh, that's how I I approach it anyway I think uh, I, th- I think you are I, I, and, and uh, it's interesting that um in the UK at the moment, uh, a certain if you're between let's say thirty five and fifty five, let's say, um, mm-hmm. which I think maybe many of our listeners are. <laughs> yeah. Well, I know I am. Yeah, but many of our listeners are as well. Um, if you grew up in a city in the UK, might exclude London from this because it's constantly changing. But a lot of cities in the UK have been through what we here call regeneration in mm-hmm. the last twenty years or so. And so, you know, a lot of the old places are going away. And I know that's true of Liverpool, which has changed a lot. And uh, incredibly. Yeah. yeah. Um, And and many other cities actually often in the north of England. um, But uh, I would say that places like Bristol in the south of England and Cardiff in in Wales, of course, they've changed a lot as well. Um, and so I can imagine anybody who I, I didn't grow up in a city, actually, but I can imagine anybody who did grow up in a city would would have perhaps similar feelings. This particular palm house actually was um, was derelict 
um and they um they ran a sort of campaign where you would sponsor a pane of glass to get it rebuilt oh cool so yeah yeah it's fabulous that it actually managed to to be done and yeah it's it's a place that i've shot in a lot and walk around and i I love so yeah um it's funny that you're saying that aid because yeah absolutely Ah, okay well there we go so uh, i think um yeah thank you ronnie lots to think about there. <laughs> lots to think about um but i think it probably takes us to our i think it's our last email for mm-hmm. this show which is uh from michael Jin. uh rach do you want to read this one Sure. Ayakul says, hey, some beams. So I just ordered a Cheap Shots Challenge camera for myself, a Holger 135BC. Is that one that you've got, either of you, Graham? Uh, no, but I know what it is. Uh, it, obviously, it's a 35mm uh, version mm-hmm. of the Holger, and the BC stands for, I believe, Black Corners. So it's one that oh. has been modified. It's a, it's a line of Holgers that's been modified to give an even stronger vignette than the normal ones. Mm-hmm. Oh, excellent. Um, what was that? There was a, a, a scathing some noise. Oh, I said that sounds great. <laughs> <laughs> I second Johnny's statement of how great that sounds. Um, well, Michael says that he found it for under $20. Um, but as I was conducting my search, I noticed... Uh, sorry, is that right? Yeah, but as I was conducting my search, I noticed that it was very difficult to find myself a camera online, mainly because I I am so unfamiliar with the makes and models in that price range. Nearly everything I was looking at was either being sold for parts or in unknown condition. Um, I know that a lot of people are finding great deals um, thrifting or at garage sales, but for those of us who might not be so lucky, maybe you can either have a show or a selection of your web shop, website devoted to compiling a list of some cameras that might you might recommend that regularly sell within the Cheap Shots Challenge price range online in functional condition. Great show as always, and keep it up. Mm. Wow. That's an interesting nice. thought, isn't it? That's a very interesting yeah. thought, isn't it? So um, don't talk about gear, but talk about more gear. Yeah, well, uh, unfortunately, I can't be much help here because I'm now on my third Cheap Shots Challenge camp. <laughs> what I thought might be great, actually, is... I'm on my second. Know, yeah, you're, you're both terrible yeah. people. Because um, I, I know that we've got some great fifth shop warriors out there. Um, and, and, you know, people who are out there just generally turning over quite a lot of gear. Um, any listeners who could um, maybe send in... What, what we'd really like to try and do, perhaps, is compile just a short list of cameras that are fairly regularly available and that are more than likely to be reliable. Um, anybody who's got anything that you, know, you particularly see frequently, um, that's a good cheap shot camera. So, um, you know, good point and shoots that have good reliability that are cheap, you know, stuff like that. I mean, you know, we, we've mentioned in the past about some of the SLRs you can get very cheap, um, although that's getting fewer and fewer of those now but yeah any any good recommendations send them in listeners and when we've got a few of them together we'll maybe do a little rundown of what people's recommendations are for that because i completely get why michael's coming from um you, you jump on ebay and you sort of start searching by price and you see a lot of names in there like <laughs> vivitar and hanimex and you think oh i don't know if this is a good idea um so yeah i think that's a good idea I think that is a good idea. The only thing I would say beyond that, actually, just to give us a, a quick head start for a feedback to Michael, is uh, buy ugly stuff. Um, mm. Because people who are looking for secondhand film cameras uh, like them to look the part. 
Um, and uh, I'm not saying that's the most important thing for people, it, but but people don't like walking around with ugly cameras. So ugly cameras tend to be cheaper and therefore you might get a slightly newer one or one that's in slightly better condition, possibly because it's so ugly that the previous owner didn't dare take it out. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and, and and also with point and shoots. Late 90s? Look, yeah. Sorry. No, look for either ones with a zoom lens or ones with a not very fast lens. Mm. Um, because again, they'll they'll be cheaper and you know they should be fine, especially if you go for a good quality make, you know, like a Olympus or you know, <laughs> one of the later cans or Nikons or something. But if you get the zoom lenses, nobody wants those. Everybody wants the fast primes, nobody wants the zoom yeah, lenses. The, the, or... the classic one for that is the Olympus Mew, isn't it? The the Mew yeah. two thirty five yeah. mil or whatever goes for a zillion dollars. Uh, and the Mew Zooms you can get for a fiver. Yeah. Oh, I know. How about an APS camera, like a, oh. a Canon Ixus or something, you know? Yeah. I'm just saying, cheap. <laughs> yes. <laughs> because people don't use them. Or, uh, that possibly because it's very difficult to get hold of the film and get it processed. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah, I guess. <laughs> Johnny, do you have about any... the camera, not the film. Yeah. So, you know... <laughs> Do you, do you have any quick off the dome recommendations, Johnny? Oh my gosh, I there, oh, I, I, there are so many cameras that people are paying the, like ridiculous, gigantic money for now, and they could like every time you press the shutter is a roll of the dice. You know what I mean? They're just like even the the Mewtwo's. I mean, they if the little sensor goes, you know, when you open and close the camera, toast, it's done. So it's like they're. So this is the opposite of what we were saying before. Well, just no, they're good. It's just I just wouldn't pay too much for anything. I like the I like the advice about getting the Zoom version because they are going to be cheaper because they're just not as attractive as like the a prime lens version of a camera. Um, oh, geez, it's 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 just so hit or miss, you know. I mean. I, I I literally I don't know. We take in several dozen cameras per week at the shop, and and. 90% of them need some work. They really do. I mean, if we're going to like actually sell it and warranty it now, if, if somebody was buying it at a thrift shop, it's probably gonna be okay, you know, but it, it, it they're going to be less than perfect. And that goes to the territory. But so I don't know, I, I get, I guess I would say, um, the, the, the later, the vintage, I guess the newer, the vintage year of the camera, the better. So, you know, later point and shoots made into the two thousands, you know, but that aren't APS because you can't get film are going to, are going to be better. Um, as you know, the zooms other than the like crazy super zooms are probably a pretty good buy. Um, uh, fully mechanical SLRs are a pretty good buy. You know, it's just stuff with electronics is really, really hit or miss. Um, so, so what, box I, camera or pinhole. There we go. <laughs> well, there you go. Yeah. I mean, right? you can always make you can always make your own. Make sure. Yourself. <laughs> yeah, I, that's absolute. Everybody should do that for sure. I mean, everybody should try something like that out. But I don't know. I just don't pay too much, and I, I don't know where. If I don't know if you if you folks in the UK have sellers that, um, I mean, over here we have like uh, a couple of sellers. One is K E H, um, and one is Roberts. Uh, which actually goes by Use Photo Pro in the U.S. and they're very, very good about taking return, like no questions asked returns, like 30 days if the camera craps out. Um, and uh, they used to be, you know, it used to be that you could get the cameras they would say were like kind of bargain condition, were a great buy. 
but I find more often than not these days, those really aren't a great buy because they're, it's really a roll of the dice. So it's, I guess I'm saying if you could, if you have a way to buy from a vendor that's going to offer you returns, if it doesn't work and still not pay, you know, a ridiculous amount of money, I I guess I would kind of go that way or, you know, keep an eye out at the charity shops and stuff for like those, you know, five buck cameras and just then, then you don't have as much invested, you know, but it's, it's just across the board. It's so hit or miss right now. So there you go, Michael, that clears that up for you. Yeah. (laughs) Sorry about that. Maybe a Holger. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) I think, I think a a Holger, a 35 mil Holger um, is probably in good territory because it's, it's a, it's a known kind of cult camera, but it is a, a, a less desirable version of that known cult camera so i think that's another good way of looking at it but uh yeah it's it it's it's tough and getting tougher yeah film photography is so popular now it is getting tougher so um well maybe we'll have to make it um we'll have to discuss thresholds for 2019 yeah maybe maybe see see what graham and i are like uh-oh well yeah but we'll we'll make it lower well (laughs) No, I mean I'm I'm already on my second one, you know. So um, yeah, the the and and Rach is on her third one. Graham's um, Graham went down the route of buying um, an incredibly ugly, hardly ever used camera, and with so, a zoom lens. With a zoom lens, yeah. So so yeah, I mean you you you've got you know uh, the golden egg there, haven't you? <laughs> it's, it is yep. it is the gift that is going to just keep on giving you fail after fail after fail every round. <laughs> I, I honestly, it's I not just want to get. Though. I want to get through Ooh, all of the rounds of the cheap shots challenge, and then I'm going to give that camera away as a prize. That's what I'm going to do. <laughs> so I, I want to get through this. You so can, can try. Wave goodbye. <laughs> okay, and on that note, I think we should uh, probably call it a day, shouldn't we? Are we are we at the end of the show? Any other business, anybody? Yeah, just want to very quickly give a shout out to a couple of things. Um, the first thing is it's the last week to send your entries in to the um, Analog Wonderland and Kodak Alaris summer holiday competition. You have until the 3rd of September to get those entries in. And also you have until the 3rd of September to take advantage of the um, free roll of film when you order any Kodak film from them. So get on that now. Um, And as we've mentioned many times before, you'll find all of those details on the Analog Wonderland website. And the other thing is just to say, don't forget about Emulsive Secret Santa, um, because that's going on. And we're going to have a special, hopefully, uh, midweek show, or not midweek, beginning of week show um, going out next week, uh, which will have um, all the details that have not yet been released going out on that hopefully going to have um an acelin on that to talk about that so that's the plan anyway oh, i thought, you, were, I thought you weren't gonna let em on the show anymore i know <laughs> but honestly the amount of bitching and moaning that was coming from him and then it started to devolve into tears at that point oh god i can't there's nothing worse than seeing a grown man cry so um i had to relent and say as long as he's quiet for most of it he can come on so um and and one very very quick last thing yeah yeah um i just want to give a very quick shout out because it's just something popped in my mind i last week i went to visit my nan in uh she lives in soli hole um and i needed to get some film because i was having so much fun shooting my little um, christina and in shirley which is a just a little suburb there's a shop called photo factory just on the high street there and they have got a fantastic selection of film there and even had some like decent secondhand film cameras and it was just it was an amazing moment going hang on a second 
I just walked into a shop on this little high street parade, and there's Portra, and there's Probia. That's and there's amazing. Oh, that's great. That is so, good. Yeah. 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 So if you live near Shirley, <laughs> in the in the Midlands, we are very um, jealous. <laughs> yeah, it's good. Uh, it's good, and it was a good price as well. So um, hurrah for Photo Factory. That's all. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Well, there we go, folks. Um, uh, congratulations again to Rach. A very yeah. worthy win for the landscape round of uh, the Cheap Shots Challenge. Um, some expert judging uh, from our guest judge Johnny. <laughs> All right, See you never, right. Johnny. <laughs> uh, 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 yes, yeah, so uh, Johnny, um, I, I think we know the answer to this already, but it's a tradition every show. Uh, where can our listeners yeah. go to find out more about your work? Uh, personally, you can um, find me on Instagram at uh, Sisson Photography on Instagram. Um, uh, you can. I have some. I have some other stuff out there, but I don't really update it. Instagram is really where I do most of my stuff despite the fact that i've been hating on him lately for various reasons but i'm not going to go into that rant now but anyway um mostly instagram um i also work at uh, if you're in the if you're in the usa part of the world i'm at central camera company in chicago um every day except for sunday and monday uh so you can find me there in person Okay. Well, before we yeah. let you go back there, uh, of course, you have to tell us what is the next oh. category for the cheap shots. Well, remember, Dave, I've completely forgotten. <laughs> I was wondering. I thought maybe you guys completely forgot about though. Um, well, given all the conversation about the Artie Bollocks stuff, uh, I think that you, I think that the next challenge has to be fine art, and and I'm gonna make oh, I'm gonna make God, Johnny. <laughs> and not only because you you've given me powers of judgment so i can say things and people will have to do them i think until you until you finish recording and i'm no longer uh on the air i i, I think everybody should have to submit a 200 word statement with their <laughs> photo submission which will take you guys literally eight hours to get through the next time you do a show unless you make some hard choices so this is you know everybody's gonna do a little work here so 200 words is really like about three sentences. You could go to artybollocks.com, which will generate <laughs> a, a bullshit artist statement for you that may or may not have anything to do with your photography. So I would I would say that's always an option. Um, but I, 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 think you, I think you folks have to do fine art. And if you get tired of hearing all sorts of arty talk... You can um, you can listen into the Classic Lenses podcast. <laughs> well, you can none of that. Three artless bastards who do nothing but buy things, talk about stuff. So there's always that. Excellent. Um, and do you know what? I have n I had no idea there was actually a website called artybollocks.com. Oh, oh, oh yeah, oh yeah. It's a That's, real thing. It's a real thing. That's excellent. It's a real thing. Yeah. I'm actually really so sorry that I mentioned it in the show notes now to remind Johnny that we needed to <laughs> announce the next. Sorry, the next I was gonna, I was gonna say, I was gonna give you the credit, Rach Graham. It wasn't me that remembered what? that. It was Rachel writing it in the show notes that I saw that made me realise that we had to ask Johnny for the new cat. Today. Oh, I see. So, sorry, so I, was like, what? I don't understand what you're talking about. Sorry, so yeah, no, it doesn't matter. It doesn't matter. I just was like, oh. We forgot that. <laughs> kind of go, listeners. I mean, it's fine art it is, and every entry must come with an artist statement, a, a brief artist statement. 200 words. 200 words. About three sentences. Everybody about can three do sentences. this. Yeah. yeah. Um, we are going to do things a bit differently this time. 
no further questions at this time. We'll 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 announce what how we're doing it slightly differently once we've figured out how we're doing it differently. But and um, we're gonna do it slightly differently just so we don't theoretically end up with a mammoth show at the end. Let's see how that goes. Probably very badly. <laughs> see you for another mammoth show real soon, everyone. <laughs> okay, and on and on that note, <laughs> time. Can I can I just can I just thank you all sincerely for the the six hours of my life that I. <laughs> share with you on this lovely on this lovely podcast and I, and I and I and I do want to tell you seriously I I run into people literally come into the camera shop and and talk about and me, have mentioned the Sunny 16 podcast to me as have friends of mine over in here Chicago. so Yes, serious. No, I'm I'm dead. I have a couple of folks who tell me the podcast they listen to, and they listen to Sunny Sixteen. So I just want to let you know that you that that I super appreciate also what you guys are doing for um, analog photography, and it, it's it's a wonderful thing. And have fun with the fine art. Okay. <laughs> and Thank drop the mic so and off you go. <laughs> I think I think it's a, that is a mic drop moment, isn't it? I don't, I think we just close the show really quickly now because we can't do better than that. Thank you very much, Johnny, for your kind You're words. Absolutely. Okay, you can get in touch with us, folks. Sunny Sixteen Podcast, pretty much anywhere on the internet. I'd start with our website, sunny sixteen podcast dot com, and we'll play you out now with Rachel's band Rocker. Uh, you can get their music on Spotify, Amazon, or iTunes. Uh, quick, everybody, leave the show before Johnny's kind words will float <laughs> away into the ether. Goodbye. <laughs> Bye. Bye. <laughs> So, are you one there and two paying attention?